This is Michael Dooney, and you're listening to my favorite comic book podcast, 11 O'Clock Comics. It's like a bullet from a gun. Or like seven bullets. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yes. Apparently. Where will they land? We don't know. Well, we do know, but we're not going to say well, it until the appropriate time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jason. What's up? What up, sexy man? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Because I'm doing here better with... than uh, than uh, Bray Wyatt's doing apparently. Oh, really? What happened, what happened to Bray Wyatt? lost the championship to Goldberg. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, God, they're so dumb. You've, you've never been a fan of Goldberg. No, it's not that. It's it's They, they, they wrestled in Saudi Arabia this afternoon, but it was it's it's because Goldberg is supposed to take on who, Reigns? I don't know. I have no idea. So I, I, haven't watched, I haven't watched uh, WWE in, in a long time. Neither have I. And, and, um, and I just... Most I know about it is whatever I read in the Observer, and and because uh, Goldberg is um, Heyman and, and Goldberg are friends, and since um, even though that last time Goldberg wrestled against Undertaker and it was a shit match, um, Goldberg still gets a pop, so they want to put him uh, on TV, and oh, I realized, yeah, and they never have him lose, so of course. Like you would think, they're not gonna, they're not gonna feed him to Wyatt. So, so now Goldberg's champ until Mania, and, and I guess Reigns can can finally get the belt. Wow! There you go. Oh wow! Hello, everybody. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode six hundred and fifty-seven. Damn. Yeah, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. That is a lot of weeks, and I am David A. Price. I can validate that, and I am chilling at my place in Vegas because I'm Randall Flagg. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're not Randall Flagg. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Once again, we're all together for this, the book of the month for February. It is Gilbert Hernandez's Troublemakers, as published in 2009 by Fantagraphics Books. But... You don't have to go down for a three count to get inexpensive funny books and bric-a-brac from the previews catalog. No, sir. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all of the book for a fraction of the price, such as. Now, listen up closely because this is the absolute last time you're going to be hearing these. From Dark Horse, Jeff Lemire, Tyler Crook, Black Hammer. Colonel Weird Cosmogog number one of four will cost you $1.99. Over at Image Comics, we have a trade paperback collection of the first arc of Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney's Firepower. $9.99 cover price. Not bad for a first uh, trade, but that's the status quo at Image for most books. Nine ninety nine gets you hooked. Everyone after that is like fourteen to sixteen ninety nine. It's a smart business plan. I've bought into a bunch of series just because that first trade is 
a low-risk situation to try a series I haven't tried. So there you go. $9.99 cover price. Your price, half off, $4.99. And bringing up the Cybertronian rear, it's Transformers 84. Secrets and Lies, number one from IDW, written by Simon Furman, illustrated by who? Jason? Guido Guidi. Guido Guidi. And uh, John Paul Beauvais. It's a uh, four-issue miniseries, as I said. That cover price, in the zone, three ninety-nine. But your price, super smart person who listens to every word we say, $1.99. That's true. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions. And you get your books shipped all real nice and safe and sound right to the very door of your home. It could not be any easier. I'm not lying when I say that. It's the truth. DCBService.com. Go. True. Check them out now. We'll wait. Dollar, dollar, make you holla. Yeah, looking through the previews for uh, next order. Yeah, I'm thinking in my uh, dollar count's going to ramp up. I don't want to smirch our our beloved sponsor, but uh, they forgot my DC previews. <gasps> they yeah. did that to Hassan as well. I'm 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 not gonna lie. I'm pretty salty about it. Mm. I could fix that situation for you in about thirty seconds. No, no, I know it's not the same though. The paper, I like. I the get paper. you. I get it. I get it. So, well, but it is what it is. I I, I, ju- looked through, I looked through the Marvel previews before we recorded. I didn't have time to look at the main previews. And uh, Empire's a thing. Oh my! Yeah, it's, it's a thing. the first two dozen pages of the damn. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've perused all three, uh, four catalogs, if you count the image catalogs being separate. Um, and uh, there's only one thing in the DC catalog I'm looking at. Uh, two, I'm sorry. The uh, Green Lantern 80, 80th anniversary yep. uh, issue. and um, Five years later, Legion. I have all those. Uh. If the letters pages are included, I'll buy it. If they're not included, I'm not. Um, and Death Metal, number one. Of course. Yep. Oh, oh they're bringing metal back? Right on that. Oh, yeah. it's right in the cover of the main previews, yeah. Oh, there um, you go. Oh, great. The, uh, um, which cover do you think you're leaning towards with the, are you just going to say Neil, on the 80th anniversary? No, no, I'm going with Liam Sharp. That's the uh, the default? Yeah. Okay. I think it's the default. It's the one pictured. I didn't. I didn't really. Oh, okay, yeah, because the other ones were in the smaller box. Okay, so yeah, if it's the one pictured, the larger one, then that's probably okay. I um, I'm thinking the um, uh, the sixties. Oh, that's in your zone. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's Frank Miller, I really don't give a shit what color I get. You know, I mean, I'll if I if I know there's multiple covers and Frank's among them. I usually get the Frank, so yeah, I, I don't even bother anymore. Like it, whatever I get, I get. Well, the default, whichever one is the standard, is is the one that they're going to have half off, and the others I think are just uh, forty. So, really, just the, the if you just want it, just wanted to read it, then then yeah, then the standard is is definitely the way to go. I kind of look at it this way: I'm going to read it and bag it and put it in a box and I'm never going to see the that cover probably ever again. 
So I, I, I really don't care what's on the cover. Unless it's Frank, then I do care. Yeah, I went through um, went through the DC. I have them all downstairs. I went through the DC, went through the Marvel, and yeah, and, and, and Buyer's there for the first 23, 24 pages. Um, and I, on one hand, it's great because at least I don't have to worry about um, if I'm not reading uh, whatever's happening. Well, I'll because Miles Morales is part of the whole Outlaw event, but I can continue getting my Miles Morales and Doctor Strange or Miss Marvel, and not worry about it being because there's there's going to be a, a Ghost Rider Empire tie miniseries. There's going to be a Miles Morales Empire miniseries, so they kind of stay away from from my ongoings, except for I noticed. Um, Captain Marvel has an issue in it, and it, and and even though there's a, there's an X Men Empire mini, it looks like the ongoing X Men proper is is part of it as well. But um, I just started going through the main catalog, getting up to um, and I got on just I, I kind of stopped when I looked at the uh, the pulp preview pages, so I have to get through the image section. Yeah, that should stop you dead in your tracks, that pulp. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> they devoted the whole first two pages, the splash, to um, Brubaker and Phillips. And then I think they showed three preview pages of art plus the solicitation page. So you're talking uh, five, six pages just devoted right to pulp, which as it should be. Yeah. It looks awesome. It really does. It really does. I would expect anything. Speaking of things that look awesome. Yeah. Did you see that Ryan Ashley is Preggers? Not mine. Wow. I did not see that. Yeah, with her new hubby. Look at that. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be funny if by some weird cosmic alignment the baby came out with like strange birthmarks that resemble tattoos? That would be, be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> uh, They'd be praying to it like it's the Messiah of tats. <laughs> Of tats. <laughs> That's great. Oh, yes. So why are we all here tonight? Well, we're all here to talk about the book of the month. And as I said, it is the 2009 edition of Gilbert Hernandez's The Troublemakers. Written and drawn by the man, published by Fanagraphics. Cover, in case you didn't know, by King Doofus himself, Mr. Rick Altergott. Uh, I gotta admit, I don't know who that person is. You well, I wouldn't have expected you, you to have read Doofus in the past, but Rick Altergott is um, at one time was a very omnipresent mainstay, which is pretty redundant to put those two words together um, at Fanographics. He's a wonderful, amazing cartoonist. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Now, is this a? Um was this an original graphic novel or like Birdland? Was it originally a miniseries that they collected? No, no, this was a an OGN. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, relatively. It was what, only like ten years ago, right? Well, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, did you? I assume you read it as it came out. Yes, I bought it. What about you, Dad? First time I read it. Yeah. Same. Okay. Well, the it wouldn't be hard. 
uh, or difficult to be initiated into this stuff, being a Love and Rockets fan, even though the link to Love and Rockets is very, very, very slim. There is a link, but it is slim. And, I mean, it uh, even says a Love and Rockets graphic novel on the. I I know, but that's kind of disingenuous. I mean, it is, but it's mm-hmm. not right. Um, for those of you who aren't Love and Rockets readers, there's a conceit behind all these Gilbert Hernandez Fritz um, stories. Fritz is the half sister of Luba. Fritz is also an actress, and supposedly, or in at least in Gilbert's mind. All of these Fritz-centric stories are essentially movies in which she's starring. So she appears as different characters over the course of all these these graphic novels, uh, like Maria M. Um, she gives birth to herself. She plays her mother in Maria M. And uh, in the other ones, uh, Chance in Hell and Love from the Shadows. It, it, this is just basically Fritzy acting. And Gilbert plays it pretty straight for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the fact that Gilbert didn't do the cover because that looks to me like a movie poster. Yeah, definitely. And so mm-hmm. it, it's a neat little separation between the fictional world of um, the movie and the fictional world from which the actress in the movie came. So you have two layers of stuff going on. And in a while, you'll see where those, in one panel, those two layers kind of blur together. It, it's, I thought it was pretty masterful. But um, again, if you're not a reader of Love and Rockets, it would have totally just bl- whizzed right over your head. But I think that's Gilbert just saying to the longtime fans, I got you. Got your back. So how, when you think of, of the Hernandez brothers' work, um, so, so this is, I've read this and I read Birdland. So, uh, and you like, read Maria you, M. What? You read Maria M too. And Maria M. Yeah. Um, when you think of love and rockets, how do you conceptualize it? Like as, as one thing, do you, do you look at these as like, it sounds like you don't even look at this like love and rockets. So like if someone was to say to you, what's, what's your favorite love and rocket story? Would these not even be in the hunt for you? Because they're not in your mind, love and rockets, but they are, right? They're they're well, not. That's why I'm asking. Right. How do you consider it? Well, I love and rockets is a brand to me. Okay, right, and it, it's a brand created by two, sometimes three brothers. The early issues had Mario Hernandez. Uh, he no longer does it. it I mean, you're not going to compete with Gilbert and Jaime. Mario was decent. But he was nowhere near the level of Gilbert and and Jaime. So that's their thing. Love and Rockets is their universe, and these are the the Fritz books. I think are planetoids in the Love and Rockets universe, where uh, the uh, the Palomar stuff and the Locust stuff they're each the size of Jupiter. There's there's no escaping uh-huh. their gravity, right? Um, but you have these little satellites that, um, like Citizen Rex that Gilbert did over at Dark Horse and, and Jaime has played around with, um, like Penny Century series and he did, a um, uh, uh, um, Maggie and Hopi series that wasn't 
related well it was related to the love and rocket stuff but it was not called love and rockets it was a, a separate mini series and so they they try different things they try different formats love and rockets was a magazine sized semi monthly and then it went to um after a long time it went to that that bookshelf edition for for seven or eight issues and then it went back to a a um a comic size thing. I mean, they're all over the place. If you try the form factor of Love and Rockets, if you got tried to shelve them all together, it would drive you mad because there's all different sizes, especially in the collected editions where Fantagraphics published them, um, you know, eight, eight and a half by 11. Then they published these little collections of, of groupings within the Love and Rockets universe. It was crazy trying to be a completist. So I, I, I just, I stopped after a while. Like I, I have all the single issues. Why do I need all these collections? But I'm compelled to just keep buying these things. And then they'll, they'll change the trade dress after a while, which is, is even more mind blowing because now the ones I have don't look like these and should i buy these and it's just it's designed to keep you buying right just with it's they're just another comic company right they have their their methodology to get you to keep chasing those breadcrumbs mm-hmm. and uh two other questions before we jump into this uh do jaime or gilbert ever borrow from each other's characters or do they stay completely separate no they have uh i can't cite a specific incident but, but it's rare. It is, yeah. Okay, and then do you have a personal preference, whether it be Stop. visually or or storytelling? Wow. It's, well, before the Love Bunglers, I would say that Jaime was a better visual stylist than he was a writer. But that's changed now. He's okay. he's he's entered a new plateau where I think his his uh, storytelling is very much on par with his um, his visuals. Gilbert's storytelling has always been on par with his visuals. He was, mm-hmm. in my mind, Gilbert is a much stronger storyteller than Jaime. But there, I waffle. There's times where I think Gilbert is the better cartoonist and then this thing from the back of my brain says are you ridiculous jaime is like uh galactus in in the pantheon of of cartoonists there's no escaping it and then i go back and forth it says something when um jaime is on the surface the most visually appealing cartoonist um and I don't say that to, about me. I say that to a wider swath of people. I would see Jaime being more visually appealing. Gilbert's dirty and rugged and and expressive, where Jaime can draw the fuck out of women and anything, really, right? But he's more of a traditional Ketchum styled meets... Uh, He's got a bit of a Wally Wood line sometimes, uh, but his proportions of his his women are real, whereas Wally's were idealistic. I don't know. I don't want to get into it that far. But sure. uh, on paper, I can't – I do, but I, I shouldn't and I can't pick 
between the two. It just depends on which one I'm reading at the moment, right? If I'm sure. reading if I'm reading Gilbert, I'm like, <laughs> Gilbert is the bomb. He's so much better than than Jaime. And then the Jaime thing comes out, and I read it, and I'm like, well, Gilbert, it was nice knowing you, you know. It, but I always keep them both of them close to my heart. Dap, who do you like more? Uh um, I, I I'm kind of leaning towards the way you think, but I it, if it gone to my head, I probably I I like Jaime's line work a lot. I like the cleanness of it, but I think I've enjoyed more of Beto's stories, like 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 Birdland, like the Troublemakers. Now I I. It's it's weird. It's like I wouldn't want to mash them together and make one perfect creator, but uh, it, it, there's 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 absolutely something I love about both of them, regardless. And, and like you, whatever I'm reading at the time, that's the best. But um, I think my eye would probably find Jaime's work. Um, more more pleasing even though i have a uh a gilbert gwen stacy sketch yeah well that's the the good that's i'm glad you you said the way you did that because i think the big revelation for me is as you know um i I, it much to much to many people's chagrin yourselves included i have often said that not only do i not consider myself a uh love and rockets fan but but I've attempted on multiple occasions to try and see if I had acquired the taste and, and in every attempt it's, it's hasn't gotten it done for me. But I, now that after these last few months, I I've come to the conclusion that when I think about the sampling of love and rockets that I had always tried to get into in every case, it was Jaime stuff. And now I've read three things by Gilbert that I liked all very much. So I'm starting to conclude Although certainly it's a very limited sample size in Jaime's work that it's Jaime I have the problem with as a storyteller and not Love and Rockets at all. Mm. So. Interesting. Yeah. And, and again, it's super anecdotal, right? But I've read three of of Gilbert's things now, all very different from one another. I mean, obviously Birdland is straight porn. Um, so this is a crime caper, but, but I, I've liked them all quite a bit. And I definitely agree with you all. I mean, Jaime as a as a cartoonist is fantastic. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him visually. So I'm just wondering if maybe it's the way he tells stories just doesn't quite click with me. That would okay. And and there are and and Zach's going to kill me because it's 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 a Jaime sketch. But um, the uh, there are there all yes, I know that there are volumes, there are collections, but. Um, were any of the magazines Vince straight one brother or the other, or were they anthologies with both of them? No, they were always both, or okay. or, or but, th- three at sometimes. And when one brother did the cover, uh, the other one would do the back cover. They'd flip. Okay, yeah. But there are collections of like Heartbreak Soup or or, or Maggie. There are collections where if if Jason just wanted to read. A Gilbert story oh, straight yeah, through. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Okay. And, well, in fact, Co- Comixology Unlimited, which is how I read Troublemakers, has all of the. Well, not, I don't know if I shouldn't say all because I don't know it all of them are, but, but I believe they have the majority of the Fantagraphics 
um, Hernandez Brothers works in all their different forms. So okay. they have the they have the subject based collections like the 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 Maggie and the Mechanic and etc. And then they have the classic collections of of the L and R that Vince is referring to. So right. Okay. Anywho, let's jump into the story itself. Okay. Um, well, be, before oh, or not? No, no. <laughs> I, I just whenever I think of of the the brothers, I see Gilbert is more in storytelling. Um, Jodorowsky or Buñuel, right? And Jaime's kind of. John Hughes meets American Beauty. Like he has more of a more of a widespread um please a, like a crowd pleasing um approach to storytelling where Gilbert gets weird, very strange. Um and he he dabbles with magic and and uh metaphysics and uh sometimes horror right but Jaime doesn't really seem to go down those roads a lot there there there's a super there's some supernatural stuff in his stories mm-hmm. tiny tiny quotient but in Gilbert's there's a lot of it and and there's a lot of um uh like uh mythology and uh a, a certain people's um the legends and the 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 myths and the um uh, the old wives tales and are they true or are they not true it's it's just that old old world superstitious bent to some of his things uh, Jaime doesn't really have all that which doesn't make his stories bad. It's, it's, I mean, Jaime's stories survive on the, the power of Maggie and Hopi and Ray and, and Penny Century and H.R. Castigan. You know what I mean? Like he, his characters are very real, but the situations in which they interact are more than off, more often than not mundane. Like there's the, the whole, yeah, yeah. The, the, the pursuits in Locus are more often than not are drugs. Or sex, or crushes. Like it's all very real world stuff. Where in Gilbert's uh, stories, there's a there's that David Lynch stuff that that yeah. what's lurking below the surface. There's a there's a power here that is holding sway that may or may not have influence over these characters. And mm-hmm. where where does it come from? So I think now that I'm thinking about, it, I think Gilbert's a richer storyteller. Jaime's a more surface level, but he's still very inventive and and, yeah. and he's very clever and and does wonderful things with black ink. <laughs> so um I if if you had a loaded gun to my head, I would pick Gilbert. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I hope you never put a loaded gun to my head. <laughs> All right, the troublemakers. So, uh, just to set it up, the conceit again, um, Jason and we've all, we've all read Maria M. Correct? No. Yep. Oh, you didn't read it yet? No. 
All right. Well, the conceit. Oh, oh really? Oh. The conceit with that is that uh, Fritz is is an actress, and these are movies in which she appears. And Troublemakers is the same thing. Um, there is a trio at the core of this story, and it it the story itself it spirals out of a, a universe in which trust doesn't exist. I mean, there's a lot of duplicity in this story. There's a lot of backstabbing. No one speaks the truth. Um, if if truth does exist, it it's not openly displayed because what comes out of the characters' mouths is more often than not designed to push other characters into a place where the character speaking wants them. So you can't believe what anyone says in this book. And just there, there are three characters that are they're they're grifters, they're con men, they're they're shysters, right? And as I as I read the the book the first time, um, me being not in my my crime uh, mode, so to speak, uh, I didn't really appreciate it. But I've read it a number of times since it came out, and I guess my tastes have widened to the point where I. I I try and inject myself into this universe or into the, the, the characters themselves. And I'm thinking that living this kind of life where you're always trying to get one over on somebody and you're always looking for the next score or, or trying to, to, uh, secure your finances for the next whatever, uh, months, it must be exhausting. Oh sure. It really oh, to be on the grind. Yeah, it, it must really be be tiring because I liken it to um, my mindset when I play a game, especially a strategy game, where you're trying to outwit not only your opponents but you're trying to think two or three moves ahead of them, and one part of your mind is manipulating them into the areas in which would make whatever plan you have easier to facilitate. And then you're trying to anticipate their moves and plan accordingly. And and I'll be totally honest, when I'm done playing a strategy game for any length of time, a couple hours, whatever, I'm mentally drained. I'm exhausted. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking that's the that's these people's lives twenty four seven. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying is so right. It you know, in my line of work, my day job, we unfortunately are uh are confronted with with con artists and grifters of various and sundry types uh, way more frequently than I wish we were. We were, you know, it's just part of the thing. And um, we have had at our firm many discussions around what you were saying, Vince, which is that it must be incredibly anxiety driven and stressful to live that life, even if you're good at it, because you are just piling lies upon lies upon lies and having to try and keep them all at track and adjusting for them when they get challenged. And I just don't know how anyone's brain can function like that. I mean, that's, right. that is functionally one of the reasons that I don't lie and why I would never like commit infidelity or anything, just because I think the stress of trying to keep all those things like clean in your mind and make sure you had multiple narratives running in parallel is just, just draining. Just the thought of it is draining. Right. That's why I always tell the kids, there's nothing wrong with the truth. Life is much easier 
if whatever comes out of your mouth is the truth. Whatever the ramifications of that truth, it's far easier to deal with those than it is to have a giant stack of lies in the back of your mind. And you got to leaf through them every time your mouth opens. So it's, it's, it's just, it's mentally just draining. And that, and that is the, the case here. We, we have three characters, um, a raven haired, uh, lith beauty named, uh, Vincene. We have a young blonde-haired man named Wes, and in the uh, the starring role, let's say, is uh, Fritz as Nala. And when the book opens, um, we get a nice little montage that that beautifully uh, sets the stage, so to speak, for what motivates these characters or or how these characters act. Um, Vincene's page is she was doing you know the dirty with a man and and the man's wife found out and it was vincena herself that let the cat out of the bag and the the guy's just crestfallen it's like what you told my wife i don't get it you know i I loved you and then gilbert shows vincena on the bottom with her name plastered in the in the background and she's wearing a mask uh a hal jordan-esque domino robin mask yeah which you know people that wear masks aren't very open aren't very very giving of of themselves or the truth so i think that's very very appropriate that gilbert has her in a mask um and then we see wes and wes is motivated by one thing he wants to sing in a band that's what he wants to do and and he's trying out for this band and they're like yeah um okay yeah don't worry about it yeah we'll call you and and they just they just don't think he's any good and it just it doesn't break him but again over the course of the story there are instances in which he's allowed to sing and he's just not very good you know but he's still motivated uh, to be a, a singer and then Nala Nala is uh when the book opens anyway and i think this is very uh odd that you get a page that you know, kind of fleshes a little bit out of the character of Vincene. You get a, a a character fleshing page of Wes, and Nala's page tells you nothing about her at all. She's a, a magician's assistant, and the crowd is not loving the act, and she just gets up and and leaves. She's like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna I'm out of here." Um, that that really doesn't tell us much about Nala at all, other than she was in a you know, in a job, how long we don't know, because none of these characters seem to have jobs that last for any significant duration. They're always hopping from one situation to another, you know, uh, taking on these various roles, trying to, to bilk people out of their money, and then they go to the next job and the next job. And job is in quotes, because it's not a, you know, you don't, they're not getting 10 W-40s with 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 uh this these jobs they're they're not paying taxes <laughs> they're mm-hmm. uh they're they're shysters so um the book opens it's strange it's very very weird um with um nala's working at a, as a mediocre magician's assistant and right in the middle of the act she decides she's had enough she gets up she gets her ass out of town and she's filling up at a rickety gas station when her car is stolen 
by Vincene, who has no way of knowing that the gas gauge uh, that reads full is actually broken. And she drives away. Ha <laughs> ha, I got me a car, and it runs out of gas. And, and and Nala's chasing her. She's not really running because if you know Fritz, Fritz really can't run because she's extremely top heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nala is is going after her. Let's say uh, so. Vincente realizes she's flat out of gas, and the the pair fight. And it's it's obvious that Nala is either has a a a past with Vincente, or she's very very attracted to her. Because uh, Vincene instantly perceives that she's exerting some kind of influence over Nala. Like, Nala, she hesitates. And that gives Vincene the opportunity to overpower her. Um, and she comments on her large breasts, as anyone in Fritz's vicinity would do. Um, and she makes her ride in the trunk on the way to town. She locks her in the trunk of the car. Uh, when she gets to town, she plans on, on ditching her. Um, then we get a little bit of backstory on Vincene. She's recently left a situation too. Uh, unfortunately, gunplay was involved and the men involved in that situation are still searching for her. She, she beat feet, got out of there, but the, the people that, um, fired the guns in the first place are, uh, are looking for her. So she arrives at her destination and she goes to the back of the car and she's talking like uh oh, i hope you didn't mind being in the trunk blah 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 and she opens the trunk and nala is gone and she doesn't know how she did it <laughs> she freaks out and and you could tell even though there hasn't been a whole lot of pages um you could tell that nala or uh vincene is unflappable in most situations, she she <laughs> plays the game like she's she's very she'd be an excellent poker player. You cannot tell what's going on inside from the the uh, the deadpan expression on Nala's face. Um, so now uh, Vincene freaks out, and she drives right past the dudes that were chasing her. Um, only to partake in another unbelievable event see the uh nala escaping from the trunk a locked trunk is pretty unbelievable but vincene has a necklace this is a little bauble you know and and um it reflects these vague shapes of fire and death and and they're very expressively drawn by gilbert but um, there's really no, you, you can't identify exactly what's going on in this necklace, but let's just say it's, it's a, it's a, a trinket seemingly infused with, with strange power. And, and, um, the men who are chasing Vincene, their car just spontaneously explodes. <laughs> Bada boom! <laughs> and, and they burn horrifically. Um, but the, the necklace in question, was once owned by Young Wes, our aspiring singer. And he's been without it for a good two years, and he wants it back. Uh, it's supposedly a uh, charmed necklace uh, of the Iroquois god of fire. And he saw it in a museum one day, 
and he stole it. Uh, he was, he said he was fated to have it, uh, saw the necklace, just put it in his pocket, whatever. Um, and over the course of the story, when he reveals the origin of the necklace, people are like, dude, that's a felony. You got to get rid of that. He's like, no, it's my necklace. So then we get a, uh, finally get a little bit of insight into Wes's character and he's hanging out, you know, with his buddy Dewey. Uh, Dewey's a God-fearing man, and uh, he recently made off with $200,000, uh, and they're in a strip club. Yeah, they are. And uh, <laughs> who do you think is on the stage uh-huh. but Nala? I mean, if you're going to hire a stripper, Fritz is, or Nala's the one to do it. I mean, um, exploitation of women... Um, Gilbert has engaged in that in the past. I mean, Luba has large breasts. Fritz has large breasts. It's a thing. And um, they're, they're over the course of Love and Rockets, uh, both of them are constantly being chided about the size of their breasts. It's, it's real world stuff, right? Uh, I don't think Gilbert is condoning it, but it happens, especially in, you know, uh, a small town like uh, Palomar, old ways, right? Um, so Nala's working a, a, as an exotic dancer, and they they get to a room, and Nala and Nala's grinding on Dewey's lap, and he's getting into it, and she excuses herself and goes to the bathroom, and she drips something on her nipples. <laughs> This this liquid. She coats her, her, her nipples in this liquid. And um it's turns out to be a suspended animation drug. And and it knocks old Dewey out. And she and Wes and if you haven't noticed it by now, Wes and Nala are working in cahoots. Or are they? Um, the the entire time, and they're searching Dewey's you know place for that that two hundred thousand dollars. Like, where is it? He he keeps talking about it. It's got to be here. We got to find this. We only have fifty minutes because that drug doesn't last forever, and they don't find it. So, um, Wes says, "Well, you know what? We don't want to let the cat out of the bag. So you got to finish him off because if he wakes up and he and he sees that he didn't." do what he thought he was going to do with you he's going to get suspicious so you gotta finish it and she finishes it and um long story short wes and nala are hustlers they're con artists they're troublemakers right and vincena is too and she crosses paths with wes at a ritzy hotel the pair are working and when i say pair i mean trio because um Wes, no, it's not the the part yet where Dewey's let in, is it? The three of them are together, but uh, let's just put that on the back burner. So let's just pretend that Wes and Nala are working this hotel. And Wes is like, go walk around the pool, all sexy-like. And somebody with a lot of money is going to walk up to you and he's going to spend money on you. So go do that. And um, Wes sees Nala, or uh, Vincene, uh, and... It turns out, like he and Nala, Wes and Vincene were once a team. But she did him dirty. Yep. And that's when she took the necklace. 
And, yep. and so they talk, and Vincene makes a run for it and stumbles. It's like a horror movie. And, and Wes gets his charm back. Oddly enough, Vincene is also working with someone. And that's Carlos, the security guard, at this hotel. Um, so Vincene is also working at the, at the hotel as a, wait for it, magician. Because Nala left all her stuff in the trunk and she used it to makeshift uh, this this uh, this magician's act. And now she's working at the hotel, you know, trying to, again, trying to get it over on unsuspecting people. So uh, Vincene almost shits when she learns of, of uh, with whom Wes is working. And she believes that Nala is working with Dewey to get in on Wes's connections, his supposed mob connections. And he, she tells him that suspended animation drug is bullshit, that Nala and Dewey were playing you the whole time. And Wes right. kind of like, hmm. But if... they fucked, and he was like, oh, it looked like they actually were really interested in fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, but I, why would she go to the bathroom... And put, put that stuff on. And put that stuff on her nipples. If if it didn't work, right? Why, or, bo- right, why bother? Right? Yeah, if it didn't work, or she it's didn't like she think did it in front of him. Yeah. Right? Why not just say, "Oh yeah, I drugged him." Right. It's so true. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Yeah, it just makes you wonder, like who again? And this is the entirety of this story. Who the hell's telling the truth in this thing? It could be no one, really. Could be. It could be. Everyone it could be no one. You don't know. Isn't it the point that they're all grifting each other? Right. I mean, isn't? Yeah. 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 Um, and just to, to let the cat out of the bag, there's one panel in this entire book where Fritz lapses into her famous lisp. Yep. Yeah. In, in Love and Rockets, Fritz has a very prominent lisp. And again, she's... And she's, what is up with that? Is that just because he thought it would be an interesting affectation? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's earthy. I think it's real. And 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 Fritz, um, she's chided for it. And in in as an actress, you know, um, when when Peter Frampton sings, he doesn't have a British accent, but he's British. So when he speaks, I'll tell us with the stutter. Right, right. Well, I don't know if that stutter's real, but <laughs> he he could be in the Troublemakers too. Um, so when when people of from different countries or or different uh, cultures, let's say sing and act they bury that homegrown identity in favor of the part they're playing professionals anyway and fritz does it as an actress except in this one panel she she just forgot and and her true character came out and i thought that was brilliant and it's just one word right but you yep, get yeah. it it, yeah. it it reinforces the notion that fritz is an actress She's playing this part, and she has another identity removed from this story that exists in another fictional universe. I think that's brilliant. When when Gilbert gets meta, mm-hmm. he does he does it really, really, really well. And this is like a maestro moment because he only does it with one word. What is it? It's here's, here's it's yeth, right? She says yeth. If you had if if in if in this world's real life, she has a big lisp. 
I don't understand how she could not have the lisp as an actress because a lisp isn't something people want to have. It's a speech impediment. Right. Maybe she, she went to coaching. She, she but had then a, she wouldn't have a lisp ever then. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't keep your lisp when you weren't acting if you could get rid of it. Like the, a lisp is an impediment. You, you, no, nobody on the planet wants to have a big lisp. I get it. But she had a long day on the set. Um, the crafts. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, is like, I don't like, she would either have the lisp or she wouldn't. But right. the uh, vocal tics and mannerisms come back when you're tired. That's true. I'll give yes. you that. Okay. So what I'm saying Fair is enough. she had a yeah, long day, that. long day on the set. Yeah. Craft right, services. Hello. Okay. Craft services you. didn't bring the soup and the sandwiches <laughs> on time. Okay. You know, she was hungry, tired. She just lasped. I don't okay. Know. Okay. <sighs> so where are we? Oh, Fritz lisped. But... Uh, Vincene is cozying up to the security guy named Carlos, and it seems that she's known him for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. He's talking about remember when you were in this situation and this happened, and, and I had to pull your ass out of it. Remember when we did this and that, like uh, a decade or more. Like she's known him a significant amount of time. So Wes's dream is to buy a club, a CBGB type dive that would feature rock acts that he could sing with um again he's not very good but he needs the skrilla to buy this club and it just so happens there's one for sale that he's been looking at uh but he doesn't have the money right so where is he going to get the money dewey and there's a bunch of backstory woven into the story turns out that nala used to be wes's babysitter Wes has pyromantic tendencies. He likes to burn stuff, you know. Um, again, a- as it, it winds down, the, the characters all plan on everybody wants that $200,000, right? Um, so Wes says, I'm going to get it. And supposedly, Nala's in on it. Right. Wesley has a grandmother uh, posing as a travel agent. I think Um, she could legit have a job as a travel agent because uh, when Wes went to the hotel to work his little his little magic, uh, grandma gave him a a hotel package that she said she was given, uh, you know, at the travel agency where she works. But. She knows that Wes is involved. She she knows he has a gun. I mean, she's not a typical grandma. Let's just say that. And so Dewey goes to Wes and says, hey, I want in on those mob connections. Let's do it. Let, let, let's schedule a meet. And the, the meet turns out to be Wes's grandma posing as a woman linked to the mob and i this is the part that's a little gray for me dewey gives the woman his two hundred thousand dollars do you have to buy into the mob is that what he was doing like he was giving them a a large sum of money in order to say okay this guy's good let's usher him into this 
organization. Like, I don't understand what this, this sequence really meant. Do you have to buy your way into the mob is what I'm asking. You would know better than us, buddy. I, I, we just hire people. The mm-hmm. way, the way I was, I was viewing that, um, is, yeah, he's like nervous as fuck. Um, you'll be getting a call in a few. I, I was, I guess I just put it in my own head. I thought it was basically like a, um, like an investment and, and as a way to double is my, or at least he wasn't, I, I, I expected him to want to turn that money into more money, but, but why would he steal his own money is what I, I don't understand. Like the, the way it plays out. He took his money back. Yeah, but he had a. We'll get into it. Um, So Wes says to Nala, look, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do this. I want you to stay out of it. Because, you know, you're my old. Well, you keep skipping over all the parts where they're banging and naked. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't really have a a bearing on the story. I I disagree. I find it fascinating that. Yeah. He inter he he weaves in these periods where they're just hanging out naked. Like I mean, he draws West with the smallest little dingling ever, and he's putting it on Nala. Like, and she's seemingly there to stay. So it's like that's an interesting dichotomy, especially considering that this is the same guy that gave us Birdland. Right. Well, this is a the the uh, impetus for this story is far beyond or far outside of the realm of birdland right oh definitely but yeah. i mean he draws west with it with it with the west ain't exactly packing heat no but they have history she was his it, it turns out that nala is in her 30s and and west is i would say he's barely the early 20s yeah yeah like like post like college post-college age I don't I mean, think any any, maybe, any older than twenty three, maybe. I was going to say twenty one, twenty two, but um, I mean, he still wears a leather jacket. He's still got the you know the the Joe, the Johnny Ramone haircut. Yeah, uh, bird chest. He's a little guy. Yeah, uh, I find it odd that he wears t shirts with Masonic imagery on them. Like, why? Why does he have the Masonic? <laughs> I, okay, um, you could go deep if you wanted to, but it. The history is that Nala used to babysit Wes. And he said that he was totally against it at first, but when he saw her, yes, he wanted to burn her. He wanted to to, uh, to burn her right up. And uh, when he saw her and he got to be around her, he lived for the time when she would come babysit him. And it seems like there was some... Um, interaction between the two where she was uh, in very, very illegal territory, let's just say. Right? Yeah, she, was getting, she, was, she was getting in where he fit in. Right. And uh, it's hard to tell, but there are signs that Nala has real feelings for Wes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, 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 you, when we're talking about who's Grift and who and... and who can you trust? And, and is anybody telling the truth? It's, I feel of all the characters that the one who is, is the most 
truthful or at least admitting their feelings is is Nala. I don't know if I can co-sign that. No, we'll see as we keep playing out. Yeah, no, I want to. I, I want there to be a shred of, of decency in this world, but I don't think there is. Uh, I think the ending pretty much shores that up. But okay, well, it, it's we still have enough to, to talk about here. So Wes says to her, you stay back at this room. Here, you take my, my magic necklace. <laughs> I want you to have it. It's it's going to be safer with you. I'm going to go do this thing. So remember, Nala has the necklace. And whether or not there's a supernatural element to this story is you decipher that for yourself. But Nala has the necklace. Okay. And um, Wes is acting all big and tough. And he's got a gun and he's shooting at imaginary enemies, you know, like a kid would. Or he's mm-hmm. pretending to shoot. Nala is, uh, or Vincene is a dominatrix. <laughs> She's got guys tied up and masked, and she just leaves <laughs> to go do this thing. Um, and so they, like I said, Grandma is the front. Wesson and Dewey bring the money to Grandma. But who's waiting at the back door for Grandma to come with the 200 large is Carlos. Which tells you everything you need to know. Wes told Vincene about the deal. Vincene tipped off Carlos. Carlos goes back to the to the place and takes the money from Grandma. And Carlos and Grandma are walking down an alley when Wes sees them. And he's mm-hmm. like, holy shit, it's my grandma. Wes pulls the gun. Carlos has got the gun on Grandma. This panel literally laid, made me just... I sucked up all the air in the room because Wes fires, Carlos fires. Wes puts a bullet in Carlos's brain. Carlos puts a bullet in Grandma's brain. And as Carlos goes down, he fires seven shots. Seven shots screaming into the blue, right? And Wes says, huh, to Dewey. They get, they get the money back. And uh, Wes says to, to Dewey, seven stray bullets. I, I, I wonder where they're going to go. And you see the bullets arcing in, in, in midair. And they, they come down. And they pick off characters to which you were introduced earlier in the, sh- in the, in the, the story. I won't reveal. I don't think we should reveal any of them. We should keep some stuff secret. Sure. So six people die, and Nala's back in the room, and she's got the window closed, and she's 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 on the bed, and she's she's talking on the phone, the cell phone, to someone, <laughs> and I'm th- and it must be Wes, right? I'm thinking it's Wes. I'm hoping it's Wes, and she says, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'm doing all right." And through the window, you could see the bullet that was intended for her hit the ground and bounce. And she has the necklace in her hand as this happened. I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, through the whole story, Nala is pretty much the only bulletproof character. It just seems that she escapes the, the trunk, 
there's a sequence where Vincene is doing her magic act and Vince, Vincene is trying to be all, you know, Mrs. Big Balls and she pulls um, Nala out of a situation in which she was trying to get it over this computer programmer. And so she's like, oh, hey, come on up on stage. I, I would love to have you as my lovely assistant. And she's she's trying to, to make Nala look bad. And she pretends to, well, she puts Nala in this disappearing chamber. And it backfires on her because Nala walks out of the chamber and she has Vincene's magic outfit on. And Vincene's like, how the fuck did you do that? Like, it seems like Nala has genuine power of some kind. It's it's not explicitly stated. It's all circumstantial evidence. You never really see her working some kind of magical hoodoo. But I think she has some kind of power. What do you think? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't, um, I like the fact that it's uh, vague or left up to interpretation. Right, yes, exactly. So, so it's, it's however you want to, to believe it. And when you turn that page, when she hangs up the phone, this is what leads me to think that she is being honest and true. She hangs up the phone with Wes, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll get ready. I'll uh, you know, just, just come get me, and we'll find." But she's happy, wiggling around on the bed. She's stretching out her legs. She's just, she's in a happy place. She's in a good mood. If she was, if she had some ulterior motives, if she had a grand plan, and 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 she's like, "I'm gonna fuck this kid over," and and if she had any evil or manipulative thoughts in her head i don't believe she would behave like this okay the fact that vincena answers the scene after her supposed joy and nala is definitely surprised yep makes me believe that she could have been speaking on the phone to two people she could either have been speaking to wes or she could have been speaking to Dewey. And the ending of the book leads me to believe she may have been speaking to Dewey. I and but I don't because I, I Okay, we'll get to the end and and we'll we'll keep it going. But um Do you see what I we're know... talking about here, people? You can't pin anything down in this book. No, yeah. It's great. It's tough. We, 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 all three of us read this and, and at least two of us, cause Jason hasn't, hasn't chimed in on this particular point yet, but at least two of us are seeing things differently. And the same pen marks are on, on the page we're both looking at. So, yeah. well, he's a wonderful cartoonist. He really is. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, J- Jason, who do you think she was talking to on the phone? I assumed it was Dewey. Okay. So you're a pessimist like I am. Yeah. All right. Let's let's see how it pans out, people. So entering the room unexpectedly is Nala. And Nala says Dewey gave her the lowdown on where she was. And she's been working with him the whole time. Am I lying? I don't know. You'll never know. All I know is I got these handcuffs here. 
Nala's you, or, you you meant Vincent. You, you said Nala walks in. You meant Vin. Yeah, I get the yeah. Vincent yeah, yeah. answers. Yeah. yeah. So Vincent has these the, a pair of handcuffs, and it this this sequence right here leads me to believe that Vincent isn't all that smart because number one, she locked her in a trunk, and Nala got out. She switched bodies with her in a. Um, magician's chamber why would she ever think that a pair of handcuffs are going to keep this woman bound makes no sense but anyway so she she handcuffs nala and puts her in a closet and ropes the the handles of the closet shut and and to add insult to injury and a little bit of conceptual continuity to the story she starts a fire outside the closet and leaves the room and no sooner does she leave the room dewey gets the bead now now i i i went back because she does say it sounds like you're out of breath and i can't wait for you to tell me everything going back to the scene with grandma and carlos dewey's the one beaten feet so it makes sense that he'd be out of breath plus he'd want to tell her i got the money shit went down so hearing her reading her end of the conversation it does make sense for her to be talking to dewey on the phone yeah but what doesn't Mm -hmm. what doesn't make sense to me is why would she be elated that he got his own money back i got the money well it was your money you went in there with the money, and you came out no, of there with the money. But but all it, she, she asked him is everything all right? She's like, you know, I'm fine. Why? And then no, no, don't, don't tell me anymore. Just pick me up and then tell me the rest. Okay, so right. he didn't have to go into everything. He didn't have to say, oh my god, uh, some shit went down, and 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 Wes's grandma. So, yeah, so she, for, as far like, as she knows, the deal with the the mob went down. Right. He's he's okay, and their yep. their future is looking so bright. They got to yes. wear shades. Okay. Yes. Um, so Dewey gets the bead on Vincene and he's like, I'm just returning the cuffs you let Nala borrow, you asshole. Meaning the cuffs that she just put on Nala are now being used to bind her. There's your mind being blown <laughs> because Dewey walks back into the room with Vincene and there's Nala out of the closet, out of the cuffs, looking all nondescript i mean she doesn't have her face is expressionless she's yeah. not she's not gloating she's not sneering yeah. she's just this is I how it is on yourself yeah. yeah and uh then wes triangulates wes enters like the, any personal business is business yeah wes enters the picture um goes into the room only to find vincene all handcuffed and she tries to get it all over on um Wes, she's like, oh, thank God, Wes, you know, don't worry about the fire on timing. And and Nala, or Vincene, there we go, Vincene tries to pin it on Nala. She tried to kill her. And she says, he says, well, where's Nala? And she says, she's with Dewey. You know, uh, I, 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 I told you that. And the whole, this all could have been avoided if you just didn't hook up with that big titted bitch 
and she's been trying to get one over on you the whole time, and you're too freaking stupid to see that. And Dewey just, or Wes just loses it. He's got his necklace back. Uh, he just loses it, and he beats the ever-loving shit. Yeah, that that was that was hard to, to read. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's very graphically him beating on a woman. I, I I'm, it was rough. Yeah. Well, um, not the first or the last time you're going to see that in a Gilbert story. Really? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, he deals in in. Um, unfortunate real world situations i don't think gilbert relishes the fact that he included this scene but i'm thinking he thought it was very necessary mm-hmm. it it just lets you in on the fact that wes is a kid and he just lost it and he thinks uh vincent is garbage and he pulped her and it's it's not yeah. you know it's not something we we like seeing it's it's a very visceral i mean those of you who haven't read this book Vincene's in a very bad way her face is fucked up yeah like See, it, I, I yeah i guess the thing is is i would say it a little differently than you said it is that up until this point i feel like you're not really sure who you're rooting for if if you should be rooting for anybody if you should be rooting for them all and then i feel like in those pages he's gilbert's telling me like wes is not the guy you should be rooting for sure sure he's yeah. a piece of shit yeah I I can't root for anybody in this book. Right. I, yeah. and maybe that is if, if if the stance is nobody's worth rooting for, then the severity of these pages is a little lessened. Right. Um I kinda when I read it I was like, Oh, okay, so clearly Wes is one of the villains. Yeah. I mean, he could have just left left her there. She's handcuffed. What could she possibly do? And the fact that he beats on a handcuffed woman, not that it would have been any better if she was able to defend herself, but it's it's more severe that she isn't able to defend herself, and he takes it upon himself to just wail away on her. That's pretty despicable, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of what she did, you can just leave her there to burn. The comeuppance is the same, right? So she tells Wes that I got... Uh, Nala locked in that closet over there and she was calling your name and see she's manipulating the entire time the place is burning to the ground around them and she's still manipulating him and Wes of course goes to the closet to try and get uh, Nala and the flames are engulfing both of them and the next panel this is awesome Gilbert cartooning. Gilbert has a way of rendering earth that's very distinctive. But in the next panel, that distinctive way that he renders earth looks like flames. It looks like the burned remains of something floating in the air. And it's 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 hard to tell if it's earth and or something floating in the air that's been charred. But I think that's the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Could be the clouds above the city in the next panel. You don't really know. And and I love that about um, Gilbert. Gilbert's extremely Lynchian, which just makes me love him even more. So Dewey and Nala are living it up. You know, um, Dewey's playing with a gun, as boys do. 
And she's like, yeah, all this over a lousy $200,000. And she's like, no, Dewey's like, no, it's our $200,000 lady. See, Nala has problems with her husband. And she has to pay him off. And in order to pay him off, she needs money, right? So uh, she's lamenting the fact that, that Wes is no more. And, and Dewey's kind of like, yeah, I miss the kid too, you know. Um, if if only he kept away from Vincene. And Nala says, from you and me. And she levels a gun at Dewey. And he was anticipating her doing just that because his gun is out too. And it turns out that Nala is far faster than Dewey because she plugs his forehead with a bunch of bullets. I I saw that as her back is to him. Mm-hmm. He had the gun out. She expected it because she saw this in a movie once. And I, I feel that he was going to... He was going to kill her, her anyway. In the back. Yeah. 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 So it's not like she pulled out on him and then he he, he drew. It, it was... I I think she, she knew right. that what was going on behind her. So... And that... Well, that renders him an even shittier... Uh, sure. Gun, yeah. gun owner or gun user. Because mm-hmm. if you got a gun leveled on somebody and you allow them to turn around... <laughs> And shoot. What is wrong with you? Oh, no diggity. Yeah. So that is a great shot, though, of of uh, of of Dewey on on his knees with his. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that panel. His brains are leaking out the back of his head, and uh, then we see Nala depositing the two hundred thousand dollars. We see some tits making a deposit. Oh yeah, and she's living it up on the beach, and still, she's thinking about Wes. Yeah. I don't know how concentrated her thoughts are on Wes, whether it was just an offhanded, oh, Wes. You know, is mm-hmm. it is it, oh, Wes, sorry you were collateral damage in my yeah. my grand scheme, or I don't think so. I miss you. I, I think I, it, it is. It's very hard to tell. Yeah, so she, no. Yeah. yeah, she's walking on the beach, um, and in the shadows you yeah. see – the back of a woman's head, and the woman looks like she has been scarred in a fire. Woman with very short hair, yeah. and 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 I'm I, I don't. That's a shadow, but that shadow could also look like someone with a a Ramoni kind of haircut, and and hmm. looking out the corner of his eye. But it's probably just a shadow of of the woman. Yeah, I like to think Wes is dead. Me too, me too. Yeah. End, cr- end scene, show title, end credits, The Troublemakers. And the last panel is very telling because it's a, it's a horizon line with a road screaming into the horizon, meaning future's uncertain. That point, that, that, that point at which this road converges, anyone can say. So aside aside from one splash page with our three characters saying the troublemakers. Yeah. This was a hundred and nineteen or so pages of just four widescreen panels per page. Yep. And I loved it. Yeah. 
Gilbert doesn't speak in full page splashes very much. Uh, that was the at the request of the studio, that full page. Because that's what it looks like to me. It looks like, well, I'm making it up. It, it looks like a studio shot of the three actors just being posed for publicity. That's what it looks like to me. And that just plays into the whole fact that this is a movie. Mm-hmm. It is not cheap to buy their art. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can only only assume how much it is. And and I wouldn't even yes, I would like to own a Gilbert or a Jaime, but I would m- rather speak to the men in person in 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 lieu of getting original art. If I could just have a chance to just be in their vicinity for a couple minutes, I think it would it would mean the world to me. Mm-hmm. I haven't met either. Weren't they, they were, I thought that they were at a con we were at, and I was like, oh, they're Hernandez brothers. Was there a line? Were they at Heroes? Have they been at Heroes? I feel like that might be Pretty Heroes. Pretty sure they, they have been. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. But it's a, it's a very earthy story. Yeah, and, 2017. Damn it. Yeah, when we were there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's his first uh, Heroes. Yep. It's a very earthy story. Um, again, it, there's there's an undercurrent of of old world um, superstitions and mythology in this thing. Um, the hint that maybe magic does exist in this world, you'll never know for sure. But that's the 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 good good where Gilbert is concerned. You never really know. Mm-hmm. The interpretation is still yours to have and wow uh and and like jason said it's it's just littered with nudity and sex not a lot um it's like it, it's, it's, it's yeah it's true it's, it's there's more a, like pre and post coital like there's more nudity than there is coitus right in this book i'm saying yes well um the one that we, I was going to have us read, which would be, um, oh damn, what's the name of it? Um, Love from the Shadows. It's a lot more explicit than this. Mm-hmm. We can do that on a book of the month in a year or so. But I mean, we don't want to concentrate too much on Los Bros because we don't want Jason to have a, you know, <laughs> too much too soon, right? We'll, we'll do it. It will do it in little. Itsy- Too much of a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, where does this rank in Gilbert's stories? Um, it ranks uh, with all of them because uh, maybe that's not a pad answer, but they're all of a certain uh, very high quality level. So I can't separate. Um, is it better than Citizen Rex? Yeah, it is. Um, but is it better than um, Love from the Shadows and Maria M? Uh, n- n- I don't think so. I think they're all pretty, pretty super solid in terms of uh, entertainment and uh, value for your brain power. Yeah, not that um, there's any reason to play favorites, but if I had to choose, I would slightly give the nod to Maria M. But I enjoyed this quite a bit. So I mean, it's it, they're just very different books. Now you got me thinking. Um, I thought Maria M was very, very good. And the fact that 
Fritz gave birth mm. to herself in that book, conceptually anyway, yeah. gives the edge to that book. But I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, poor grandma. Mm. I know, right? She got got. And the thing that, that surprised me was Wes seems to be very, well, about as close as a person like Wes can get to his grandmother. And when she dies... I mean, he's really, he's not sobbing uncontrollably. He's not like, I made this happen. I got to stop living this life. He's just, it just seems like it's just another thing to him. Like, That's mm. the nature of the grifter though, right? They don't really care about anybody but themselves. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's profoundly apathetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he is. She's no, no longer an asset. Man, that, that's cold. That's really cold. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's no amount of money, I would think, to balance the scales of, of watching your grandma get a bullet in the head. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Yeah. But I don't live this life. So. I was going to say, you're not a grifter. Right. Say la vie. So there you go. The Troublemakers from Gilbert Hernandez, 2009. If you're in the mood, um, well, I, I, if you're not uh, an aficionado of the uh, the hard-boiled crime, maybe this would do the trick in making you one. Um, but again, if you're a Love and Rockets fan and you haven't read this, I really think you should run out and get it because it's just another layer of that wonderful um, Hernandez uh, magic and uh, you need it. So... So we all say thumbs up? Big thumbs up. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, and if you want to see any images from this book, I pulled a good number of them, and they are on our website, 11oclockcomics.com, in the uh, gallery accompanying this episode, which is, as we said, 657. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, glad we read it, but um, we need to move hey, on. Good recommendation. Thank you. We need to like move I on. Told you uh, off air, I, I, maybe you're going to make a uh, Hernandez brother fan out of me yet. I would love that. I really would. Yeah. I, and again, I I totally believe it when you say you would gravitate towards um, Gilbert because the the Jaime stories are very. Maggie and Hopi are not slackers. I wouldn't call them that, but they do have tendencies where their prime motivation is music and and alcohol and sex. Yeah. And and, I mean, I'm going to get the hate mail for this, but like they're not really attractive either. (laughs) Sign that. Hmm? I can't co-sign that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you do you, but yeah, I think right, they're they're not conventionally beautiful. Well, Penny Century is the I don't kind know who that is. So Pen- Penny's the the buxom blonde, um, okay. part part time superhero. Uh, she's uh, she's arm candy, mm-hmm. and I think that you would uh, you'd gravitate towards Penny, but she's not the the ideal when it comes to Lucas. Maggie is. 
Maggie's beautiful even when she's overweight by conventional standards. You know, it's it's not the the physical form of Maggie that's well, it it, it is, and it may be to to other people, but to me, it's not the surface level that's attractive with Maggie. It's the whole. It's the the character and the motivations and the, mm-hmm. the the it's the soul of Maggie that's attractive and Hopi too, and but the thing is the the real payoff with Jaime stories is seeing these characters grow from teens into somewhat middle aged women and all of the events and the ordeals and the interactions they've had and not had over those those years that's the real joy yeah yeah i don't know like i was thinking about what you're saying i don't even know if i can say that it makes sense to me that i would dislike his stuff more because it's more mundane because lords know i love myself some mundane comics sometimes i mean it's a life and like i can totally it can totally be my thing um you know i mean uh even like strangers in paradise sure there's a element of the fantastical with the spy stuff but I mean, the good chunk of that book, and certainly the spine of that book, is the mundane. It's just the love they have for each other, right? And so, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 it is a great mystery to me why I don't click with that world. I, I don't have a good reason why. Yeah. Did you like Dazed and Confused? Loved it. Well, Jaime stuff is a lot like Dazed and Confused. A a. a Certain timeline in Jaime's mm-hmm. Loka stuff is very much like Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll maybe next time we'll read some some Maggie and we'll see if you like it or not. Yeah, I mean, that's what I like about these high school girls. I get older and they stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> it's me every day at work. Nice. All right, now the book of the month. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. So uh, what else do we have? Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Anything else we've read that uh, ignited our enthusiasm for the medium? I don't know (laughs) if... uh, (laughs) And I I, I know Jason hinted at something yesterday, but it also depends on um, where you're at in uh, your mind space, Bo. I don't know which book you're talking about. It's not a book. It's a manufactured event. Or not oh, even an event. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that is just. Uh, so, a little bit of background. Uh, I listened to a podcast that Patrick and Dow of Challengers Comics and Conversation uh, in Chicago host. They host a weekly podcast where they talk about their business. And uh, I find it interesting because, A, we know the guys, and B, they're very, very honest about what it's like to run a retail shop. And they're, they're for those that don't know, their store challengers is in Chicago. Um, they won an Eisner for Best Retailer a few years ago. It's a great store. We've been there. Um, and these guys have been on the grind for a long, long time and have recently opened a second store. And bluntly, it's not going well. Uh, it, it's They're... And I'm not talking out of school. They they have their podcast and they talk about all this. I'm only getting this from their podcast, but it's not going well. In fact, it's going very poorly. Um, and they're incredibly honest in in their weekly chats about things that are going well, things that aren't going well, things that frustrate them, and 
um, they brought to my attention because I wasn't aware of this thing that DC did where so previews I'm gonna it's gonna sound like I'm jumping all over the place but I'm just gonna not assume that everybody that listens to this knows how the direct market works in in to the level of detail that we know so we talk about previews a lot and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume not everybody realizes that previews is actually a catalog created for retailers yep like that's it's that's its design now many many retailers pass catalogs on to hardcore customers like ourselves to use it but it is designed to be the catalog each month of inventory available for retailers to order for their stores and it is vitally important on top of that the publishers depending on their size and sophistication will also send other types of solicitations in conjunction with the solicits uh campaigns where they have more details like about a book and say, Oh, by the way, this is going to happen in this book. So make sure you order heavy or, uh, this event is going to be about this. And so maybe you want to order more or, Hey, if you want to get these variant covers, you can, you have to order X number of copies of this book, that type of thing. Stuff that we even as hardcore fans don't see. So as it turns out, um, DC said to retailers, by the way, in February, we're going to have three comics come out that are going to be uh, about a certain famous villain, Joker. And there's a re- they're going to be really hot books because we're introducing a new character. And this new character is Joker's new girlfriend. And so you better order up because they're going to be hot. But we're not going to tell you which issue she appears in. It's going to be one of these three, though. So the Challengers guys were telling the story like how basically to tell DC to go fuck themselves. Right? Because they're like, we're not going to – I mean, these books that they're – the three books were going to be um, – um, the, the three man. books that I'm trying to think of. It, the, the, the book that the, the – ends up being is is um is uh hell arisen number three yeah the year of the villain mini yes um but then i'm trying to think what the other two books were um, last week's batman 89 okay and then do you know the third one um nightwing no but that's not this month but oh, i did okay. see yeah somebody did mention that in the slack that that's in another couple months because her not um Oh, oh, uh, the Joker 80th anniversary, that's but that's, yeah, that's, that's just it, that's solicited it. last month, so that's, right. you got time, so. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. So, 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 Patrick and I were like, this is fucked up. Like, it's fucked up on multiple levels, because it's one thing, like, speculation and variant covers and all that bullshit, like, that's one thing, and it is what it is, and people are gonna, people are gonna try and buy books and flip them, but from their vantage, like, it's an entirely different thing when a publisher, particularly one of the two big ones, tries to create out of thin air demand for a character that no one's ever read anything about yet. And they were like, it just sucks that they're trying to foster demand, artificial demand for a book based purely on the idea that you can buy the book and resell it for a higher, higher value. Like it's not at all based on, we have a great story coming out. We have a, a, you know, there's going to be a huge event that's going to blow your mind. It was there's going to be a hot new character. And the only reason we're supposed to think it's hot is because it's Joker's new girlfriend. And who was Joker's old girlfriend, Harley Quinn, 
who is probably the most successful new character created by DC in the last 25 years, right? And so I'm like, man, I'm listening to them. So I'm like, that is fucked up. Like, that's pretty fucked up, you know? So then, um, new comic book day this Wednesday. Uh, what happens? But hell has arisen. Uh, number three is out. And by now the news is broken that this is the issue that is going to debut Punchline, who is, in fact, Joker's new girlfriend. So our boy D-Dub, Daniel White, who shops at Midtown Comics, the uh, the largest non-DCBS comic book store in the country, was going to get his books Wednesday before work, and he went to go up to the store, and he couldn't because there was a line around the block. And he sent pictures, and he was like, what the fuck's going on? And he didn't know anything about the punchline. He's like, I don't know what's going on. So he was also put off because it is the second week in a row where there was a massive line to get in. And yes, because he... last week was for the Batman book, right? right. So, so then that prompted us to start talking about this. And then Brian Hibbs, who I'm sure many people know that name, he is the uh, he is one of the he's a very successful retailer uh, in San Francisco. He owns a two stores called the Comic Experience, and he also has written a column for decades. Um, called tilting at windmills about uh, about just his thoughts as, as a retailer he's a he's a, a an advocate and a, and a voice for the retailers he wrote a column this week talking about the absurdity of all this and it just the bottom line is is like these aren't random salty fans or salty retailers who are just looking to bitch these are two of legitimately the best most successful smartest comic book retailers in the market and they both came independent of one another to the same conclusion that this is like super, super shady, shitty stuff. And it's really the culmination of stuff that's already been going on for a while with all these variant covers and everything. And where they're both really frustrated is that it's just the tip of the iceberg because it worked. It worked. Like Brian Hibbs was saying, he so his deal was he wouldn't sell Hell Has Arisen number three to anybody that didn't order one and two from his shop. And his point was, there are hundreds of you coming into my store that did not buy one and two. And why in the fuck would you be buying number three if you didn't read one and two other than to flip it? So fuck you. I'm not selling it to you. And like his point was like, if you think that this like not only is DC going to do this again because it worked, but you damn sure know that Marvel's going to do it now because Marvel's never passed up an opportunity to out DC DC when it comes to marketing gimmicks. And it's just like we're back to this world where, and for these guys, they lived through the speculator boom. We're back to a speculator boom. So many comics that stores now have to order are about gamesmanship, figuring out which variant people are going to buy. And every week, these books get put on eBay within minutes of people having them possession and flipped for 10 times what they just bought them for. And it's like, who's buying these? Like, Dow said... This is the most the most obtuse thing ever. We all, everyone that that was in line knew that punchline was going to be in Hell's Arisen. You could have gone into your store two weeks before when you found out and asked them to pre-order you a million copies. And if you had the money to prepay a million copies, DC would have printed you a million copies of this book. This is not a rare book. There are literally tens of thousands of mint condition copies of this book, bagged and boarded, that exchange hands this week. There is no rarity. And then furthermore, like, why should we give a fuck that Joker has a new girlfriend? 
because his last girlfriend is a huge breakaway character, there are new characters introduced in comics all the time. Like, and this idea that let's say, oh, maybe she'll be in the next Birds of Prey movie. Who cares? Do you know how many people have speculated on first appearances of people when they get announced in these movies? And you know what the, all those comics are worth now? Nothing. Nothing. Unless they were worth something beforehand. Like with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, the first co- the first appearance of, say, Rocket Raccoon was already a valuable book. But it's not like any of the speculation inflation that happened after the movie didn't persist. It went away. So it's like the whole thing is just this gamesmanship. for the It's commerce for the sake of commerce. And it's not at all about – it's not even remotely about the story. Like they're not even – at least with a comic book event, they can look you in the face and pretend to tell you that it's about the story. Like they can convincingly if – we if we had um, C.B. Sibolsky on tonight, he could credibly, without, without losing his cool, be on here saying, I think you should buy Empire and the Titans because it's going to be an amazing, fun, riveting story. Now, we may all say, mm, you're really just trying to sell us stuff. But at least he could put forth like, no, we had some great creators put their heart and soul into this thing and it's going to be awesome. But with what DC's done, they can't even say that. Like they literally just said to these guys, we have these three books. At least one of them is going to be a hot book. So you should order it. It's it's literally it's so it's so stupid and insane. And it is pretty depressing to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that it's a bummer. And yeah, does it affect me? Does it affect you? No, because I'm not buying the book. I don't need the book. Like so, it's not really any skin off my back per se, but I just don't understand. It's just an. It's. I guess we live as comic book fanatics. We live with the fact that these companies are constantly taking advantage of our fanaticism, and we're just like accept that. Like like we self flagellate because we love the product so much. So those rare times when it's just so overt and so egregious, it's hard not to turn my stomach. Right. It's literally. I'm gonna be Scotty for a second. It's it's literally, literally the comic book equivalent of three card Monty. Absolutely great analogy. Yep. Yep. Uh, is it this book? Is it uh, 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 is your book under here? We don't know. I ruined it by saying that. I don't care. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it just makes me. It reinforces my belief. Number one, people are stupid and very very easily manipulated. Number two. Marvel and DC are not about telling stories. I know the creators are. At the end of the day, the publisher does not give a shit about any of the stories. They just want to make money. This is, like you said, the most egregious example of a publisher wanting to make money. I could, I could have ordered three million of them. I would have scooped some of the change in Jason's couch and ordered three million copies of this book. And I had every, you know, whatever it, it it just it it pushes. It, ultimately, what it does is it pushes me farther away from this kind of stuff. And let's be honest, there are good stories being told at the big two, but it's stuff like this that kind of overshadows all of that other yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it, I mean, and it, uh, at, the, at, at the end of the day, all that notwithstanding, my heart goes out to the retailers who have to deal with this shit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like these retailers, and I don't want to hear like, oh, well, then they, like these, 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 I mean, at least Hibs and, and this challenge, because like they're successful retailers, like, and they, but they're not rich. I mean, they're not, they didn't do this to become rich, but like, they, it's not like they're, 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 they're well-run businesses. And because of that, they didn't, they didn't bite on this, but like Hibs, you know, he says it so well, he says, look, maybe Punchline will be an interesting character. 
with an involving storyline that leads to dynamic storytelling and tales for the ages. I sincerely hope so. But speculations driving up the price for anyone who has ever read a single page of content is a massive red flag that Punchline will end up no better than The Joker's Daughter, which was also a white-hot book for speculators 45 days for 45 days in 2013, and now no one would have give you a dime for that eponymous comic. Don't be a sucker. Don't help destroy what's left of the periodicals comic market. And don't think you're welcome in our stores. We've been there, we've done that, and we've had it proven again and again and again that you are the stone-cold enemy of the medium of comics. <laughs> I like the way that was worded. Yeah. Um, you made the point in 89, there were 24 comic stores in San Francisco. Now there are eight geez. because of the speculator boom. Yeah. Um, when but I went in. At, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, would, I just wanted to ask Jason, as a, a person whose mind works in the business realm, if a store, could a store succeed? By not playing these games, is there uh, a, is there a straight ha- a straight and narrow where they could just business as usual? We're just going to order what we order, not worry about these variant covers or these quote hot issues. If we just play the game the way we've, we've always played it, could that store maintain over any period of time? Yeah. So can it? Yeah, I'm going to say they can because Hibbs claims he didn't play this game. He bought. He said nobody bought one and two from him, so he ordered a very few copies of number three for the clients that have a pull list with him and asked for it beforehand, pre-ordered it. But that's it. Um, And he seemingly has been around for 30 years, so I'm going to say yes. But to your point, Challengers very much tried to do that. For a long time, they took the, we're not going to sell toys, we're not going to sell variant covers, we're going to curate comics that we think are awesome and we want people to buy. And... For their own very survival, they gave into the variant game because they came to the conclusion we cannot, especially in a place like Chicago where there are lots of other stores, we cannot not have variants because people, a lot of people come in to buy the variants. Like just like speculate or not, like they, they want the variants and we have to have them. Right. And in order to get so. the variant, you have to order multiple copies of the regular to enable you to buy the variant. Well, so, yes that's and no. Some so, of them. Some so of the, them. Yeah, I was going to say the, um, the Challengers guys don't do the Chase variants for that reason because they that's where you can get in a real financial trouble. They don't do that. Okay. They only do variants if someone – kind of like DCBS. If, they'll buy any variant that you want, but you have to pay for it. So like if you want a 1 in 100 variant, you got to be willing to spend the 400 bucks it'll cost to buy 100 issues of the comic. Oh, my God. The- so – there are some of the DC variants, uh, the one-to-one variants are ha- they have the um, the cardstock covers, so they're they're a buck more. Last week, um, they had the first, they had the two issues of the plunge. They had the standard cover, then they had the Gary Frank cover. The difference with the Gary Frank cover, not because it was a variant, it wasn't four ninety nine cover price because it was a variant. It was because of of the cover. Same thing with um, yesterday's Amethyst, but. Yesterday's was the Batman. Wolverine die cast die cut also a dollar more? I don't think it was a dollar. I don't know. I'll 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 check next time I'm there. Um, but the uh, the but none of like the the house and and powers variants, regardless of whether the, it was the Scotty Young cover or the Mar, they were all cover price um, way back when. But yesterday's Batman Beyond that I picked up. 
I swapped it for the the Manipal variant, and and that was the same same cover price as, as the standard cover. But when I went in, I um I didn't see the you're the villain on on the shelf, and I asked the uh, the kid behind the counter, you know, so so how many how many did you get, and did you did did you order extras and they sold out, or did you just order for for your customers? And he told me that um, Diamond ended up shorting them. They they had uh, mm-hmm. he had five customers that did have it on their order form. They were sent two, and I don't know if. They threw the two issues in a ring, and the customers fought it out. But it, it's it, the phone was ringing, not, and the phone rang a couple times while I was standing there with Onyx before I even paid, and people were calling asking for that issue, and he just had to keep saying, "Nope, nope, no, yeah, no." And it's it was it was crazy. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, these retailers have, have said repeatedly too that the variants were they are all the same price, are sometimes even worse for them because. They have to figure out which ones to order, and it's a guessing game. Like, if there's 10 covers you can order, like, they have to try and guess on people's minds who's what cover is going to be the one that they yeah. want. And that's super hard because they can't afford to order, you know, 10 copies of each cover. Um, and they were saying even, like, there was a comic recently, I think it was a Fantastic Four, where all they knew that there was an art germ, a Stanley art germ variant. Mm-hmm. And those things sell like hotcakes, right? Yeah. So they're like, all right, well, if we're if we're gonna get a variant in the store, we got to get the or germ because that's the one people are gonna want. Well, it turns out that for some inexplicable reason, it was a Johnny Storm cover, like an art germ never draws. <laughs> Nobody wants that. So they said they ordered these covers, and all the people that come in for the art germ TNA covers were like, oh, I don't oh that's oh, that's fine. And again, like. You might say, like, why'd you order? But, like, they don't, they, they didn't, like, Marvel didn't even let them know what the yeah, cover that's, was. Yeah, that, like, that pisses Oh, you can order this art germ variant. At least, at least the DC catalogs, they'll have, I mean, I, I, I hate the setup. It's it, it's a crappy design where you're getting the, the sliver of the cover, but they will show you the variant in a smaller picture on the same page. Marvel, you look at any of their solicits. And and it's like here's the here's the dark Marvel variant two BA and here's 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 a here's a Gwen Stacy cover and and but they're they're just telling you what the the theme of the cover is but right, they don't right. you don't get a picture of it and and you you sometimes you don't even know who the artist is going to be. Yeah. And what in what Dow lost his mind because he was like I just don't understand I've been at this for twenty five years like it doesn't have anything to do with, with what's in the pages he's like I cannot tell you how many times each week. People come in looking for variant covers of a book. And I'm like, oh, sorry, we don't have that cover, but we have these two covers. And people are like, no, I'm not interested. And he's like, you don't care what's in the book? Like, you don't want to read the story? Like, and it's just, like, so maddening. People don't. And it's really anathema for us, right? Because one of the hardest things for us when we're doing the 11 O'Clockers is our favorite cover artist. Because, I mean, covers to me are largely irrelevant now. I don't. Yeah. I just don't even, I mean, I, I don't pay attention to them. Right. They don't have words. They usually are done months in advance of the book because the way the process works. A lot of times they're just pinups or posters. Yeah, they're just pinups. And it's yeah. like, okay, I mean, so I rarely, like, it's so, like, my winner is always the person I just, I can remember a cover from. Like, right. if, if, it's, if it's memorable enough that I remember it, I'm like, oh, they're my favorite cover artist because they actually did a cover I remember. Um, in the If there was a pie chart of the most 
or the the most numerous transgressors in the variant cover sweepstakes, the the two biggest slices would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans, and the biggest by far, the Valiant guys. The Valiant guys go ape shit over the variant covers. It to the point where I, I've I've been in a number of Valiant um, Facebook groups, and there are guys that will go to extreme lengths to get that one in two hundred variant cover or whatever the 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 uh, that carrot on a stick. And I just want to shake these people and say, Have you taken leave of your senses? The the book you're spending hundreds of dollars to procure has the exact same contents as the regular one that we're all getting for two dollars and in some sense after discount. What is so important about this cover? And and they don't just get the 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 most like the the scarcest variant. They want all the variants. Yeah, yeah. And and they're going to go in a box. They're going to go in your crawl space, and you have the biggest dick in the variant cover circles. Like, wow, what does that get you? Is that a is that a badge of honor? I don't understand it. It, it, it there, there's a there's a rationality that is completely lost on these people, but they obviously have the money to do it. So, like, who am I to judge? But again, at the end of that very long day. I feel very sorry for the retailers that have to put up with the shit. That's the thing, right? It's again, it's not so much that, like you said, I mean, we all collect stuff. Lord knows I buy a lot of art and people probably think like, that's crazy that I spend money with it, but I do. Right. Um, so I'm not going to begrudge anyone to collect something that they want if they have the money. It's the means with which the publishers use that supply of willing purchasers to, stress out their most important partners in the retail market like that that is that bums me out like, but doesn't a red flag go up that that when when one perceives manufactured scarcity does no and that that's that's why i wanted to bring this punchline thing up because again the variant stuff is annoying but it's nothing new it's been around for years and years right and it's just it is a part of the market retailers can either, either choose to participate or choose not to uh it is what it is but this idea that DC like intentionally created a fake marketing blitz where the the whole the whole idea was you better buy this comic the day it comes out because it's going to be worth a lot more because it's hot is crazy it's literally back to the days when wizard would give you the hot list and you were like oh i guess i got to get that comic cuz it's hot right. that alone wizard alone gave valiant the wherewithal to continue for however many years oh, they sure. did. it was because of wizard that valiant became as popular as they did oh definitely yeah i mean yeah the stories were great initially the first couple of years of valiant are wonderful stories but after a while you kind of saw the little old man behind that curtain pulling at mm -hmm. the levers and they dropped valiant like a stone i wish that kind of mentality was at work today where just look at what these publishers are doing. They're manufacturing this this Pokemon type methodology to comics, and it's not anything about the actual artifice of, of sequential storytelling. It's it's all about you know getting that brass ring and, and 
what it leads to is basically nothing. I don't know. I, I, I can't speak on this because it sounds like I'm judging, and I, and I guess I am, but I just think it's a worthless pursuit to track down these variant covers when comics are not about the rapper. They're about the, the, the storytelling, the sequentials, and the art. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And again, I guess we all we all rationalize our own behavior. But to me, the elegance of collecting art has always been that it is the essence of the story. Like, it is the literal thing that was created for the purpose of giving everyone else the story that they hold in their hand in a comic form, right? Like, it is it. So, like, it's it's almost the it almost, it's almost the purest form of this medium. But like like buying a slabbed book or buying something because of the cover, it just seems like the complete opposite of that to me. Right. Like, like it is, it literally has nothing to do with the efforts that the creators put into telling a story. So yeah, it's weird to me. I mean, listen, it is what it is. Again, I don't really have an issue with, with if I I don't have an issue so much with the people waiting in line to buy the comics. Like, you know, you do you, you want to buy a comic for four bucks and flip it for 40 that day. If it's really worth it that much to you, then more power to you. Because whoever paid forty dollars for it on eBay is a fucking idiot. Uh, and but when you amortize—is that the right word? Amortize the amount of hours you spent in that line. Oh yeah, not worth my time you, at all. The, for the, sure, the return no, yeah. on your investment is you're, you're basically still working for ten dollars an hour. And needless to say, lots of people bought ten copies and probably flipped one or two of them that first day, and now they're going to be out. Left holding their holding their you know their dicks with the other eight copies, and I say good 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 that's good. Maybe they'll learn their lesson, but um, but yeah, like like but it is just that that like when I see really smart retailers who who are fighting the good fight, throw their hands up and say I don't know what we're gonna do here. This is just terrible. I I just take notice, you know, because they're, again these aren't Pollyannish, these aren't trolls in the internet that are just bitching to bitch. Like these are great retailers that have both won Eisner's and have both been on the board of comics pro and, and know their shit and, and sell and have survived for decades in major cities. Like they know what they're doing. And right. so for them to be that alarmed tells me that we should probably be alarmed. Yes. Yeah. I have a story indirectly related to this, but similar motives behind the, the people involved where, um, when the power Rangers toys first came out, and they clicked and the kids just went gaga over them there was a guy that would frequent all the toys r us's in the area oh shit and buy all of the pink rangers mm. right or he would buy the titanus as they put it out or the the white tiger zord and he got a reputation among the workers of the the various Toys R Us's because I knew them, right? Um, wasn't granted special favors, but because I was a collector and they knew me from the frequent, my frequents to the store, you know, we got friendly. But anyway, so they would see this guy come in and they couldn't really do anything about it because they're there for one task and that's to, to you know, bring out customers and selling is good, right? So this guy would come in and as they would stock the shelves, he would scoop them all up, make his way to the counter, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he, you would find him at the local flea market on Sundays selling these things for three and four times what he paid for them. Mm-hmm. And it worked for a little while, 
right? Sure. And then as the, the, the Power Ranger thing begin to fade, the guy's table at the, at the flea market was populated by the same stuff every week, after week, after week. And that guy, that very same guy is still at the flea market. And I swear I'm not making this up. I, he, he has the same Power Rangers figures he had that he bought back in the day. Like, nobody wants them. So it makes you wonder. Like, they couldn't put up a sign that said, hey, you know, one per customer. Back then, they didn't do that. Now they do, especially on, like, the Funko Pops. If you go to Target, you see a sign that says, we, we reserve the right to limit your purchases to one of each item. You know, because everybody wants these things. And if we let you buy 12, that means there's 11 people out there that aren't going to get it. So Mm -hmm. we can't sell you 12. But this guy expended a ton of energy and time just driving around the, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania, scooping up all these, these Power Ranger figures. And what did he get out of it? Maybe some short term, um, economic windfall, maybe, but in the long term, He's left holding the bag. And I'm thinking, I can see the same thing happening with these, these, this punchline thing. Like, there's going to be a lot of people pissed off that, that get rich quick, you know, no cow pizza scheme that they came up with. It didn't, it didn't bear fruit. And it's like, fuck that, you know, and that's not good for the industry either. No. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly right. It's, it's, uh, it's, you could be sure of two things. One, there are going to be a lot of these punchline appearances available for cheap in bins at LCSs all over. And two, there will be some jabroni uh, retailer at every con we go to for the next 10 years that has this comic on the wall oh, for like wall. 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Hoping but- that some dude walks around with his son and his son's like, oh, that's Joker's girlfriend. I need that. And his dad's just like, here's a hundred bucks. Right. And then everybody else around there's like, bruh. But I, I mean, as far as my story is concerned, the, the sad part about it is that this guy took toys out of the hands of children. Sure. The people, yeah. the very people for, for whom those things were designed. And in this punchline arena, there is a significant amount of bat fans that probably would like to have gotten their hands on this issue. And if there are, they probably right. pre-ordered it. But what about the ones that don't pre-order? Right? So they're not going to be able to read this thing because speculators have scooped. Uh, it's just not a good look. No, whatever window you look into this situation through, it's just not, it's not a good look. And it, it, it hurts my heart. Because comics oh, are not sure. about this kind of bullshit. Well, at least not on the creative side. Right. The, the, yeah. the, the, um, it's, it, it, as Jason pointed out, which is one of the, which has always been, um, my biggest beef with previews is, is that it's, it's, it's not so much that, oh, oh it's spoiler filled and it, it, it was, it was never meant for us. We, we are not, For people who use previews, we're not we're not diamonds customers. We're not their end users. That's the shops. We buy from the shops, but we are not. So why why a publisher or even a, a distributor would want to fuck over their 
customers what is is that's what baffles me the most i mean we 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 unfortunately readers have to we're uh i'm not going to say stuck with but but we have to do whatever happens with 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 the retailers if if you know if i you know i may be loyal to a shop i may want to go there i may want to give them my money and 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 i have my pull list but but if they end up getting screwed over by the distributor or in this case the publisher then you know i you could get pissed at the shop but it's not like the guy running my shop doesn't it, it, he's not he's not trying to dick me he wants his money too so it it's it it's just it i'm not you know it, we really only have diamond so it's it's they've they've got that that stranglehold well that that's part of the problem too that there's yeah. only one distributor it's, sure. It's, sure. This, this kind of back in the day when it was Capital City and Diamond, yeah. the the worst we had to deal with was, ooh, the Capital City, the Advanced Comics comes with this card mm-hmm. this month, and Previews yes. comes with this card. Yes. So yes. what are we going to get? And in most uh, instances, we bought both catalogs yes. just just to get both cards. I but, can get this one uncut sheet, or I can get this yeah. this, this Chase Fleer Ultra. But wait a minute, Advanced Comics comes with this little ash can. And we gotta have that. Like it was, yeah. it was neat that you would, you know, that they were probably making a profit on catalogs based on the freebies they included with it. That's a thing of the past now, you know. But I, I think that if Diamond issued the print catalog entirely and gave all the retailers some kind of digital platform with the same content, I think it would be a a better situation, right? Because then it would be for the consumer and not just the retailer. There there could be like a back end built into the system where retailers would get messages or prompts that the, the, the consumer couldn't see. I think, I I think in some cases they do. I, I think that does exist where, um, because everything is, everything's through the POS now and, and whether you want to, cause the, the same register I'm getting rung up at, if I'm looking for something, it's, it's plugged into the system where they can see if it's in, if diamond has it on hand or if, um, if it is sold out and then we're looking somewhere else. So I think, and I think they do get emails and updates where, um, cause, cause like Jason said, you get the, um, they'll get, the little bulletins, the retails will get the bulletins or the missives, and it's like, hey, you know, here's here here's an addendum to this month's previews. This week, DC, you might want to keep an eye out for such right. and such, and and so I think I think Diamond is, I think some of the back end stuff or, or the things for um, ordering or or at least maybe taking care of your customers, I think has gotten better over the years from Diamond, but the system is still. I mean, my. It, it, my shop gets their their books on Mondays, so I'll um like in, in some cases if if I go in on a Monday night and it's that week where previews comes out, I'll get to leave with previews early. I, I can't, but the system is also Vince, the system is designed so that if it will like put out a big old window, if you try to sell something before Wednesday the system won't let you. It knows the street date of, of the books that week. So it's, 
Right. It's a whole new system now. But if uh, you go through the 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 register, yes, that doesn't stop you from selling something on the side. Outside of your no. your your yeah your, 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 yeah if you want yeah. to be like that yeah yeah, but um, the fact that the previews catalog is not intended for the consumer is a bunch of bullshit. I mean, I know it's not, you know it's not, but there's not a person that leaves a regular customer that leaves a store on that Wednesday of the month that's not leaving with a previews catalog. Oh yeah, the horse has left the yeah. barn on it. Yeah, yeah, and part of that is again, it's this weird, it's this weird business model right where the end the the store is on such lean margin they can't i mean they genuinely can't afford to just willy-nilly stock up on anything they think might be interesting Mm -hmm. and as a result they need to get as many of their loyal customers as possible to look at previews and then pre-order because the only way they can be sure they don't go out of business is to make sure that they don't over order and the only way they do that is to have people pre-order. Right. <laughs> so it's like, well, I'm glad you brought that thing. up. We don't yeah. have a, a whole lot of time to discuss it. But another unfortunate byproduct of situations like these, and I've seen it firsthand many, many, many times, is that this manufactured furor over these hot mainstream books doesn't leave shop owners enough of their budget to try copies of walking walking dead number one that's one of the reasons why walking dead was not a gigantic book initially was because hey um jim lee's i I know they didn't come out concurrently but i'm just using it as an example jim lee's first issue of x-men's coming out this week we need to order a boatload of these issues because we know people are going to want it and super rabbit squirrel meets giganta woman which looks really good, you know. We can only order two copies of that because we don't have the the, the Skrilla to spread it around. We have to. Yeah. We know we're going to sell X Men. I have faith in the project, and I think it looks great. But I don't think we're going to sell many copies of Super Robot Chicken Woman, you know. Yep. And it, it, it's and it, it again. A, a book that could be really well received within the marketplace. Not the example I used, but bear with me gets overshadowed by the hotness and that's not fun either no all right enough of that we rarely talk business but i think we jason especially needed to get it out of his system this week yeah it was just a bummer man i hope i I will say of all the things we talked about i just hope that maybe what we can't be sure of is that this is the start of a new trend maybe this was just a one-off you know maybe maybe this won't happen a lot or at least maybe the I hope that's so that's the silver lining. Maybe this just was a blip and right. it's not a new thing. All right. Hey everybody, we hope you enjoyed this book of the month, Gilbert Hernandez's The Troublemakers. If you enjoyed this, we do one of these every month. Yep. Um unlike this one, most of our books of the month are voted upon by our Patreons. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. If you would like to get in on that fun, uh, you're very welcome. We'd love to have you. In the meantime, I have a thank you. Mm. Like yourselves, Mr. Drew Van Genderen sent me a care package. Ah, nice. I don't know why, but he did, and I love him for it. And I have to say, also like yourselves, Drew has the uncanny ability of not only finding books 
within my very narrow target zone. But he also manages to find books within that zone that I don't already have or have not read. I don't know how the guy does it, but it must be his mutant power, and I love him for it. Uh, he sent me four things, like yourself. Um, a mini-comic by Aaron Darling, which is uh, very much in the Fort Thunder school. Uh, I'll get into it at a later date. He sent me Peak, number one, by Jason Youngbluth. That's going to ring a bell. Yep. Weapon Brown. Uh, a thick-ass book called Horror Hospital Unplugged by Dennis Cooper and Keith Mayerson. And last but certainly not least, he sent me Hex Cymatics, which is really No Man number three, or number 13, sorry, by Roger Bignon. And as soon as I saw this book, I'm familiar with Roger, but it's like one of those things out of sight, out of mind. Roger has a website. You can go order stuff from him directly through his website. And I have in the past, but I haven't recently. And Drew sent me this Hex Cymatics. And I was like, damn, I haven't checked out Roger's website in a while. I went to the website and immediately ordered something. So in gifting me an issue of Roger's comics, he instigated me to go and buy another one. See, Hmm. you pay it forward. Right? This is what generates the robust nature of the independent comic scene. It's it's exposure to these people who would normally not have a whole lot of exposure. Uh, and th- I don't know if you guys are familiar with Roger. He screen prints his covers. Sometimes he screen prints the entire book, which just boggles my freaking mind. Because... In screen printing, it's all about registration. Um, It has to be perfect if you're using more than one color. And most screen printers do use more than one color. So I can understand screen printing a cover, which is one side. But if you're going on the back nine and you're screen printing a leaf for a book, you're in a freaking danger zone because if you print... The front of that, I don't know how many passes you make, depending on the number of colors you use. So say you do mm-hmm. a four-color pull on the front, and you're going to do a four-color pull on the back. If you somehow knock that out of registration and fuck that up, you just screwed up not one page, but four. So it's very demanding screen printing. I, I have nothing but love for people who do you know, the old-fashioned way and screen print their own covers and interior pages and the covers of um bignon's books are screen printed the interiors are risograph printed so my heart's bursting with love for this guy and uh i want to get into it later uh because i don't want to short shrift any of this stuff they're all great Mm -hmm. so i would like to thank drew um for sending these and i would also say in your travels go out and buy some comics from some independent publishers Look at hear ye, hear ye. look at Roger Bignon's website, B I N Y O N E. He's an extremely idiosyncratic uh, creator. You'll know his stuff when you see it. If you're familiar with it, he's great. Um, just go out and and just buy something that's not manufactured for you to uh, 
to get it on the latest hotness. Go go to the heart of uh, sequential storytelling, and and these these guys, in some cases, you know, sell maybe ten copies of of their book. Make them feel the love and go buy some grassroots comics. Speak the f on it. Yeah, I love it. Um, speaking of the patrons, uh, shout out to Jay Tomio. God damn, I'm stunned. Uh, I'm freaking stunned. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, I have to admit, I felt a little movement down below when I <laughs> saw him. I have been in a mood today, and that almost made me smile. No, throw him a bone. Tell him, tell him it made you, it made him it made you smile. I'm smiling ear to ear right now. Can't you right. hear it? He doesn't lie. That's exaggeration. That's fucking awesome. No I, like, I nearly I, I was I nearly passed out. Nice. When I saw Me the, too. The notes. Me too. Um and uh I absolutely co-sign Vince's independent grassroots self-published indie Absolutes. love. Um but I don't have a follow-up to that because I'm circling back to Jason mentioning Ryan earlier um, Ryan. and Ashley. Oh, okay. And the third issue of Dr. Strange Surgeon Supreme mm-hmm. uh, kind of plays into that because there's um, a mystery to solve. A patient shows up at the hospital. Uh, the patient is old. AF, uh, but the um, the patient's actually um, in his early twenties. He um, he's he's uh, he's completely covered. Not completely. He's, he's, his body, it's a bunch of tats all over him. Um, but he uh, this only happened. Um, he. Uh, this kid is 19 and, and he, and he looks like he could pass for 90, but he's been in the ER for about four hours. And when he came in earlier, he was looking like he was 50. So Dr. Strange does what he has to do. And, um, he, uh, uses his, uh, his abilities to, um, basically fight the, uh, the tattoo ink inside, this kid's um this That's kid's body cool. yeah it's it's um you know and and of course because so he's he um he's he's basically he's in a realm of living ink and uh kev walker's art is fantastic the way he's he, he's drawing all these backgrounds and 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 these usual um uh tattoo styles but the way he um Wade actually did a little bit of research here, but he, uh, as, as there's an instance where, uh, he's approaching a building, a castle and, and, and the castle has a guardian, which is a dragon. And he's like another one of Toby's body tags. Where is it written down that all dragons have to breathe fire for Vishanti's sake? Uh, and, and so of course he overcomes that ordeal and then comes across, um, Shara Khan, the almighty, who is kind of like a big lumbering Conan the Barbarian looking dude hooked up to a um, a tattoo machine with, with ink. And once Strange 
figures out um, how to uh, handle that situation. Um, Stigmata appears, and and he is um, he's a he recognizes Strange is from the third dimension, um, and he's like, uh, I've been spending my time harvesting humans up in three space, so I can feast on their souls here. And um, and basically, he controls the second dimension. Uh, it's full of drawings, and drawings have power. Tattoos especially. doesn't matter the style. Tomoko, Yantra, Yazuka, even Trash Polka. Tattoos are symbols to you thirders, third, third dimension folks. They have meaning, which is just another way of saying they have magic. And and, and Stigmata's design is, is kind of freaky looking. But um, Doctor Strange is actually getting tattooed in this and and uh he has to again he's just gotta do what he has to do to uh to save the day and 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 save toby's life but he um there's a little bit of a cliffhanger it's more mystery at the end where uh what has caused strange some concern is that three of the components that um that were crafted from mystic metals uh during this endeavor are, are so rare they can only be found in one place and that's dr strange's forge that he has all of his equipment set up in so someone is either stealing things or something else is going on but uh this issue the third issue didn't deal a lot with the dr druid stuff he did have he did go and talk to druid in the second issue and and um my man seems to either not remember what happened after he died or he's being very deliberate in, in what he wants to tell Strange, but it looks like something's going to come to head with that. But this third issue of that, I mean, I, I've been enjoying the first two issues, but the third issue really had me sit, sit up and take notice. Keb's art is fantastic, but then you throw in the whole uh, tattoo aspect of it, and I was, I was really grooving to it. Is uh, his forge name Jordila? <laughs> no. Oh, it should have so. been. That's a missed opportunity. So, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, a couple things. In your travels, many of you listening to the show will actually be traveling either today or maybe yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, or maybe uh, maybe you're getting back from your travels, depending if you wait until Monday to listen. But I hope to all of our brothers and sisters that uh, either are already there or are headed to Chicago for the weekend for C2E2, have a fantastic time. We uh, we very much uh, while we may all have differing opinions as to whether we're going to miss the con itself. <laughs> uh, I think oh. I can speak for my brothers in saying that uh, we all certainly will miss hanging out with you all. It's very true, and uh, and so I hope you all carry on the uh, torch of partying and uh, that EOC spirit without uh, without the uh, triumvirate there. Yeah, um, gonna miss my malort. Yeah, I've been seeing a little little malort on the socials. Um, in your travels, a book that I talked about the first two issues and then didn't read the last six until this week. Um, but uh, I definitely wanted to make sure you all at least kept an eye out for the collected edition. And that is the history of the Marvel Universe, um, which was uh, written by uh, Mark Wade. What's that? Should, the, the treasury should be in my next box. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. Um it, and uh, with art, amazing, fantastic, jaw-dropping art by Javier Rodriguez. Uh, it is exactly what it is. It is 
Wade and Rodriguez taking us from the very opening kernels of the impetus of the Marvel Universe through the end of the 616. Uh, you may recall from our discussion of the first two issues that the uh, the the uh, narration is carried out by Franklin Richards and Galactus, who are the last two living beings as the universe is ending. And it's very clear that uh, Galactus isn't that isn't going to make it make it. He's not going to make it into this this new reality uh, when everything restarts um, because he was the last survivor of the prior reality and and that's and then came over to ours and and uh, became Galactus and and so Franklin Richards is going to take over and he's going to be the guy that is carried into the uh, the new reality and uh, it was just awesome. It was it was just a, a wonderful uh, just kind of modern snapshot of I guess what Marvel wants us to see is canon um, so it, it but but I thought because it's written by Wade it plays very fair for all of the nostalgia buffs there's nothing in there that you cast a side eye on or you think wait what mm-hmm. I mean in general he's and and it's only six issues to cover what 80 plus years of of, of history so there's not. This is not like Jeff Johns filling in spaces in a character's history um, and giving you more. This is them just kind of telling you the key seminal moments um, of of importance throughout the Marvel history, and it was just fantastic. Uh, Javier is just a beast, and the, the way that he depicts all this, it's it's like Rodriguez and. George Perez visually aren't the same, but I definitely got this vibe looking at this of those classic moments with Perez, whether it be JLA versus the Avengers or, or, or some of the other stuff that he did where it's just like every piece of, of, of space on each page is got something that catches your eye and you wonder how long it must've taken him to draw because just every character and every key moment, everything is just on the page and laid out so beautifully. And, um, I can't wait to have the collected edition as well. I double dipped. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. History of the Marvel Universe for all of you, uh, all of you uh, process and history heads. Nice. Damn it. And let's all pour what? <laughs> well, I'm looking at my order list. You didn't order get it? I didn't order it. Like, what can is wrong with me? Can we pour one out for a ordered- domino? Because you did order the... Uh, I did. Silver Surfer Black. Yeah. Treasury. yeah. So I figured this was a no-brainer. Why didn't I order it? I don't know. Damn it. Now I'm going to have to buy it now. Can yeah. you? Uh, can we pour some some out for uh, Reverse Domino? Why not? <laughs> I was all excited I had the splash page of her first appearance. I guess uh, I'm not going to It was also her last appearance. Yeah, I'm not going to be paying for my kids' college with that, huh? <laughs> I guess I'm just like these, these uh, variant cover buyers. Uh, this episode, oh. the part of Reverse Domino, will be played by Frank Gorshin. <laughs> yeah, I know this may be spoilers to some of you, but uh, maybe my, my my girl uh, didn't even last twenty two pages. She got a bullet in the head in this in the next issue. Oh well, well at least you own a page. But guess what? Guess what, Vince? What, Vince? There are now dominoes. <laughs> you know how like blood's like you know how like blood sports there's like and their yeah. leader's name is Derek. Yeah. 
Is this a, a I mean bloodshot rather? Is this a, uh, a, pro- a product of the original Domino or is it? Yeah, uh, well, so remember I told you they grafted her skin and then they used the skin to go onto Krakoa and kill Xavier. So then they figured out now how to integrate her DNA into people. So now there's all these different people that have. They basically look like Dalmatians. They've got black and white spots, like some some more than others, but they're all Domino esque. The Dominoes. The so uh, strange. Um, he's he's uh, he's come to call his forge the Sanctum Machina. Just just so that there's some closure there for you. Okay. Why? I don't. It'd be it, it's it's where he crafts his artifacts and weapons. So I guess, I guess Machina is just a a funny little insight. He kind of joke because he knows, but and it's not the Sanctum Sanctorum. So, so he's not doing any magic anymore. No, he he, he is. He doesn't do magic when he is operating as a surgeon. Because he, he, he has to keep his mind clear for the procedure, for the operation on hand. So he splits his time. He's, 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 he's a doctor doing, because he, he has the ability now to, to be a surgeon again. His hands have that ability again. But and, and he, he, So he's not using magic, because magic, everything has a cost. He doesn't do magic when he's operating on someone. And he needs his hands, he needs all of his abilities to save whoever's life is on an operating table. Uh, and then when he's not working at the hospital oh. as a surgeon, that's when he gets to uh, do his uh, Master of the Mystic Arts on. I want to see a storyline. I'm not reading the book, but anyway. I, I would like to see a storyline where he has a patient come to him that he absolutely cannot save through normal means, and he has to use magic on them, and the price is so great that it debilitates him. I want to see that story. Okay. Just to tie it all into the magic aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. if he's able to wield magic, chances are very good that a, a, uh, a and be a surgeon, chances are very good that he's going to come across a patient that he absolutely cannot save through conventional means. So he has to use the magic. Their story and their whatever is so compelling that this person must be saved because I don't know. They eventually give birth to the, somebody who's going to cure coronavirus or whatever, right? That he, he absolutely, sorry, Jason, that he absolutely <laughs> has to save them. <laughs> I want to read that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that strange, do you, I mean, the Dr. Druid thing is cool. But I'm still oh, if you're a not Druid fan. I mean, I'm still not on board with the idea of him being a real surgeon. No, I gotta admit it. I gotta be be honest. I like the the spacefaring Doctor Strange much better than this. Which is right, and and I, which is why I thought, I honestly thought that, um, and and there was nothing written. Nothing should have led me to believe this, but I I thought when when his his spacefaring story ended. And obviously that ended leading into this. So however that ended and, and whatever deal it was made gave him the ability to use his hands again. Because I have those issues here. I haven't finished that that run yet. Uh, so Wait, you jumped ahead? 
I did. That is so unlike you. That's new year, new me. I want to stay current. I, year, I want to, I want to be <laughs> able to. You can have uh, a t-shirt of that for uh, heroes, boo. For heroes, yeah. I want to because I don't. I don't want to self trade weight. I don't want to sit on shit. If if something's if, if something comes out, I want to try to want to try to read things as they're out, and then I can go back and read the other stuff. And and I don't. I don't because otherwise it's just gonna. Now I have those issues, and then I'd have these three issues of the surgeon to add to that pile i don't i don't want to do that i, I just i, I want to read things as as they're out and um so i didn't finish that and i thought that this would just finish up wade's dr strange story leading into scotty doing strange academy but obviously they're going to coexist so hmm. whatever scotty's doing because it doesn't necessarily mean that you know strange is going to be at the academy every day uh because the preview pages we've seen we know who the the teachers are going to be but uh yeah i just um it's 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 like it's like peter being you know a, a ceo I, it, this isn't going to last something is going to have to give and and strange will be back to the way we we know and love him again and yeah and and, and i thought just like the intergalactic wakanda storyline that that coach is going on it's neat seeing your heroes in a different scenario, like Strange yeah. in Space. No, the, the Strange so. in Space really worked for me. Um, yeah. if, if Strange isn't tied to the Defenders, it's more often than not, depending on the identity of the artist behind the visuals, it could be a hard sell for me. Yeah, and and I thought, all right, this is cool. Take take the fish out of water and see how he how he you know conducts himself. That's cool. Doctor Strange in space, I'm there. But nope. you know, um, I don't. Can know. we speak about Doyle Dormammu for a second? <laughs> <laughs> you saw that in the preview. I'm tickled pink. <laughs> that's wonderful. And in the class, Doyle. Yeah, that's that's going to be a fun book. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to print money. I wish Scotty a lot of luck with it. Yeah, because he needs it. Yeah, <laughs> you know that, that's Scotty, just, he needs his big break. I hope he finally gets his big break. Yeah, this, this be, it'll be nice to see somebody land on his feet for once. It's, yeah. Seriously, uh, maybe he'll it's just he's, he's falling on hard times. That guy. And that, that that's a Disney Plus show waiting to happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for uh, enjoying this episode with us. I hope you did. Uh, in the meantime, please accompany us on the Facebook and the Reddit. And Twitter and Instagram, we're all there. And if you would uh, be so kind, if you're not already, check out the Slack. Uh, well, no, don't, don't check out the Slack. Check out the Patreon, which would lead you to the Slack. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. It's just a whole mess of fun. We'd love to have you. In the meantime, say goodnight. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. David. Good night. Don't. Don't do YYZ. Stop. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, David. Yeah. My newest obsession? Jason's, Jason's going to laugh. So this is why I'm telling you. My newest obsession? 
Warhammer 40k YouTube videos. YouTube Good videos. Lord, do you need something to keep you busy? They film matches and broadcast them on the YouTube. It's, I will say it's riveting. I think, I think I would enjoy playing Warhammer and get into it much more than I would D&D or Magic. But you know what? You are the prime target for Warhammer. Because I think so. Um, I just don't know anyone else who plays it. But you Why know, not Blood Bowl? No, no, no. Well, that's still Games Workshop. Right. You are the man in the crosshairs because you have an extreme amount of money. <laughs> you need okay. an extreme. You're going to go that direction. No, okay. you need to play Warhammer 40K effectively. You need to invest a good amount of money in your army. Like, what are we talking? I'd say fifteen hundred would get you a good a good army. Because you don't want to play with. What's the point? You don't you don't paint, so you'd have to pay somebody. I could paint like a muffler. Okay, you'd have to pay somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And the more powerful the. Bro, are you forgetting that I painted murals on my kids' walls? No, I know. There's a difference between painting the yeah, wall, Yeah, just let him go. The- Listen, Deemer paints these motherfuckers to look real. I can do it. You would have to commission Dave Mathis to paint all your minis you. for you. Yeah, Why not Deemer? Or Deemer. Yeah, whatever. Um, because the the more viable the piece is on the battlefield, in most cases, the more it's going to cost you. So if you're talking like uh, any kind of armor or something that can distribute something that has a, a long range and a long movement, that's going to cost you. you you're you the perfect man. Oh, yeah, I've played. Yeah, I play. So you have pieces. I do. Now I'm looking at some of they look already painted. I think they have this new program where you can buy ready-made pieces but they're expensive like on amazon just for example i'm looking at the games workshop warhammer 40k adepta sororitas battle sister squad yeah and they're all quite decoratively painted yeah yeah that's not the way you want to go though no no you want to win you're gonna play eldar or you're going to play straight up like blood angels or uh, uh, some something that serves the Imperium. They're always... Oh, these are dope as fuck. Yeah. My, well, luckily for me, I don't have anyone around here that plays Warhammer because I could definitely see myself getting addicted to this. I'll play. You don't live near me. We see each other twice a year. I can make the trip because I would that, love oh my God. to throw some chaos at you. <laughs> This Skitari thing looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. And uh, the the thing I love most about the Games Workshop is the backstory is extremely rich. Is the, it part of the fun painting? Like, isn't that like, yeah. it's like a mop, right? Like, isn't that kind of? I guess. I guess. I, yeah. I always saw it as a chore. Oh, really? Yeah. Even as an artist? Yeah. Because the, they're designed to be played with on, on, on a battlefield i just want to get them in the 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 stick of things you know Mm -hmm. i just 
Do they the, give you instructions as to how to paint them? or Oh, very, paint? very detailed instructions. In every issue of White Dwarf, you'll get, the, they, they'll promote whatever the latest hotness is, and they'll mm-hmm. say, these are the colors you need to paint this model. And it's not just like five colors. They'll say, start, right. start with a base coat of gunmetal, and then do a wash of this, and then accent with this color. And then there'll That's be, cool. yeah, they're, they're very good salesmen. I, uh, if they had a Marvel version of this, I'd be all over it. Well, they do. I mean, hero uh, clicks, but it's kind of yeah. shitty. Crisis Protocol. Oh, that thing you were looking at on the Kickstarter. No, 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 no. That, that, that's minis. Um, oh yeah. Crisis Protocol. You're right. Yep. They have a neat little two pack with, uh, oh, Shuri and Akoya. There's a, uh, there's a, it's, it's great looking. The, the, the core is a hundred bucks, or at least retail. Um, but yeah, it's like nifty. two packs are 40 bucks, so it's like 20 bucks a figure. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, they, they come gunmetal and, and you could paint them up all nice. You, they have the, um, expansion packs where you can throw cars around. I'm not gonna, at the risk of sounding like I'm looking down my nose at, that game, if you're going to play a miniatures game, you got to play Games Workshop. I I don't disagree. And I was there yesterday, and I was looking at all the stuff. I had the, I, I had the battle. I they had a nice little like four foot section with the battle ball stuff, and I'm looking at all of the. Uh, See, battle just, ball is pretty good because it's relatively self contained. There's not a, a an abundance of battle ball models you can buy. Forty k. There's the the choices are voluminous. You could. There are a lot of ways to spend your money. Yeah. But what they're, they're really smart. What they've been doing is they, they've been making these self-contained games. Like, they're set in the 40K universe, but all you really need to play the game is what's in the box. And the box will be like about 100 and after... I mean, you can find outlets cheaper than Games Workshop. Say like 130 bucks for, the, mm-hmm. for everything you need to play this game in the box. It's not bad. And they have a Lord of the Rings game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a money pit. It really is. It's It's worse. They're just looking at it online, how how quickly it would add up. Yep, yep. It's worse than magic. Definitely. You could could drop a couple hundred bucks and get a good, you know, a couple good decks. Well, remember, I mean, my kids were into magic. I spent a good good amount of shekels on magic. Yeah, but 40K, you got to go for the... But the thing I love about 40K... It, it all depends on how much you have to invest. There are nothing that are, there's no model that's super limited that you need to buy this in order to get that, or there's no blind box bullshit. You just, you, if you want to play this faction of this army, you just go out and buy it. And right. It's, it's right. going to cost when it costs. Yeah. I like Yeah, that. there's no this like chase sparing no, bullshit. No, they don't do that. No. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, everybody. Little bit of uh, accent to your already awesome episode, we hope. Come back next time. We love you so much and say goodnight, boys. Lady y'all. Good night, big bad toy store. <laughs> Ka-ching.